Ladies and gentlemen, jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. edition of the Hagman the Hagman Report, I almost said the Hagman Daily Show, on this Wednesday, January 10th, 2018. Joe Hagman here, and we got a lot to get into today, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We have the first hour, uh, news, politics, and current events, and then after our first hour, in hour two, Jack Posobiec is going to join us for about 30 minutes, and then we're going to be following that with Bill and Nicholas McIntosh. And then in hour three, as we do each and every Wednesday, it has been a while since the Christmas break, but Pastor Langford is going to be on with us for the first time in, I think, three or four weeks. So we are looking forward to that. Three weeks, John just gave me the uh, the symbol three there. So we're looking forward to having him back, and it's going to be a great show. Also, with everything that's going on in the world of Washington, in uh, politics, we have Jack Posobiec coming in, and we got some interesting questions for him from uh, what happened with Steve Bannon, as we saw he was uh, stepped down from Breitbart yesterday, as well as the latest on DACA, the immigration legislation that they're trying to put together through a bipartisan effort. And don't forget our YouTube channel, the official Hagman Report. Check out the latest videos that my dad has done as they are gaining a lot of traction and I'm going to pull them up right now so we can uh, give you the titles so you can check those out bookmark them and watch them later we have the latest one today they're illegal aliens not undocumented immigrants that was just put up a few minutes ago and then there's some from the last few days that are uh, really uh, getting gaining in popularity from Feinstein tampers with investigation to the Clinton Foundation is the Rosetta Stone of the Criminal Cabal. All those are up on the YouTube channel, our YouTube channel, Hagman Report. There's a report here from the Daily Wire just about Diane Feinstein. Diane Feinstein says someone pressured her to release Fusion GPS transcripts. Diane Feinstein appears to have made a startling revelation about why she released the transcripts for Fusion GPS. She was pressured to do so. The revelation came from CNN congressional correspondent Manu Raju, who tweeted, Feinstein says she's sorry to Grassley for not giving him a heads up about the release of the Fusion GPS transcript. I meant to tell him, and I didn't have a chance to tell him. And that concerns me, she told us. I just got pressured, and I didn't do it. Sean Davis, the co-founder of The Federalist, was the first to notice the overlooked detail and was quick to point out its potential seriousness. David tweeted, Wait, she was pressured? By whom? That seems like a pretty huge detail. Was it a donor, a party boss, federal officials? Who pressured her? Feinstein later claimed, according to Raju, that she was not pressured to release the transcripts after her office claims that she misspoke. So what's going on here? Was she pressured, and now she is backing off of that uh, because of who pressured her? That would be my guess. I find it very hard to believe that uh, she claims, or her campaign claims, that she misspoke. 
But either way, it's created, uh, I don't want to say a firestorm, but it's created a lot of problems. As I saw it reported on CNN today that they don't think the investigation can continue because that was leaked. So it'll be interesting to see what, where this goes moving forward as this, we, we still need to find out who this dossier originated with, what journalist Fusion GPS paid, and there's a million other questions. Were there, was this dossier the reason that the FBI and the Obama administration officials got FISA warrants for surveillance on Trump and his administration? I'm going to run through a few quick pieces here while I fix my, my earphones. Daryl Issa, to retire, he is one of the richest, is the richest congressman in Washington, D.C., and he would be running for his 10th term as a Republican in California. Now he is saying that he is not going to run for re-election, and the L.A. Times uh, mentions that this is considered the most vulnerable Republican seat in Congress after the 2016 election. He was considered the most vulnerable incumbent in the House going into the 2018 election as he only won by a, a very slim margin of a few points. So, leaving a lot of, of vacancies, uh, as we've seen a lot of people moving to run for Senate, moving to run for governor, stepping down for health personal reasons. Uh, some of those people who are stepping down uh, have to do with sexual assaults, but again, Daryl Issa going to step down from Congress, or at least not step down, not run for another term, and one of the few uh, Republicans in California who really had a hold on their congressional seat, and that will probably go to a Democrat, knowing California. Also, speaking of California, the mudslides continue, and the death toll is continuing to rise. We are up to 15 people dead and dozens more missing leading me to believe that the death count will continue to rise as those <clears throat> devastating mudslides have swept through the area in California where the Thomas Fire was, the um, worst cal- uh, f- f- wildfire in California history. Wow, I can't get the, the words out of my mouth. But it's uh, there, there are some interesting pictures and uh, great stories of heroics coming out of California with uh, almost hundreds of, of rescues, people being airlifted out of from helicopters. I read a story today where a baby was pulled out of four feet of mud by their neighbors, and it is um, the, the pictures coming out of there are um, very rough. But it looks like that the the worst part is over as far as the mud mudslides are concerned. Now they are going to be looking for those folks who are missing. So keep them in your prayers. As we said last week, Robert Mueller, it was speculated that Donald Trump was going to meet with Robert Mueller to interview him. This obviously another anonymous source from the Washington Post. Well, the uh, headline today, Trump unlikely to meet Mueller. I would just say the the chances are zilch uh, for him to sit down and talk with Mueller. Robert Mueller is still adding people to his team. The latest, a veteran cybersecurity prosecutor was added to uh, the team which leads you to ask the question, is this almost wrapped up? If it is almost wrapped up, like some has said, why are they continuing to add people on the Mueller team? <clears throat> also, the uh, something we have not talked about in a while, the North Korea, South Korea, U.S. drama that has been ongoing, the talks between North Korea and South Korea have opened up 
as officials sat down for the first time since 2015. And the president of South Korea is giving Donald Trump credit for the dialogue uh, to continue. And many people in the media, specifically on, on CNN and MSNBC, talked about the dangers of Donald Trump tweeting about having a bigger nuclear button or just tweeting about Kim Jong-un. Size matters, right? <laughs> but saying how reckless he was, he's going to just... You know, we're gonna, the humanity is going to be destroyed by one of Trump's tweets. That was pretty much the um, two-day talking line. And now we see these people giving Trump credit for his stance against Kim Jong-un and crediting his stance for why the talks are ongoing now. And it looks like Kim Jong-un has backed down a little bit. And is that because of what Trump has tweeted out, possibly? It's also sanctions, and it's being... Um, packaged as a unified effort between U.S., South Korea, and China. But what does it say when the North Koreans are going to be participating in the 2018 Olympics, but the, the Russians are banned? I find that pretty interesting. And I don't know how many people saw, but a, uh, some of the Democratic senators, along with GOP senators, were supposed to travel to Moscow, but a few of the Democratic senators were not given uh, visas to come over and talk and I believe it has to do with their spouting off about, you know, the Trump-Russia collusion. So all the lawmakers canceled their trip. But I thought that was pretty interesting, and you don't see it really on any news media. I don't know why it's not um, covered, but I, I thought that was a pretty interesting story. And I saw on CNN today, some senator was also talking about, you know, we have to watch out for the Russian influence in the 2018 and 2020 elections. It was the same woman senator who was banned from going to Russia by the Russian government. But if you can find some clips, and I, I will find a story and post it up on the website because I find it very interesting. Yeah, yeah, indeed it is. You know, um, yeah, welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. I got to tell you something. I was doing a couple of, um, doing a couple of research projects and, you know, um, the, uh, the issue today with respect to the Fusion GPS testimony. So, my the, the takeaway from this, the, which I which I was looking at, is uh, McCain. Uh, it was confirmed that McCain McCain's an ass. Now, uh, uh, no, I'm serious. McCain's an ass. John McCain is an ass. A mule, that that is. What were you thinking? But by definition, a mule. This according to. The reports coming out, John. Well, hey, uh, what's what's a mule? It's an ass. A mule, same thing. He's an ass. But see, he's Fusion GPS is ass. Do you see Feinstein? Yes. Do you hear about that? What do you yeah. make of that? Was she pressured? I was pressured. No, no. Now she, the campaign walked her back, said she misspoke, but I don't think you yeah. misspoke. I look, 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 look. This wasn't, as far as I'm concerned, and you know, I, I was watching, it, it's interesting just to watch, or it's interesting to look on uh, political message boards that, uh, um, oh, well, uh, this doesn't constitute obstruction of justice, or this doesn't constitute uh, tampering with evidence. Okay. Uh, really? Uh, how does it not giving away private testimony that uh, that really allows the uh, individuals who have yet to testify? And this is what we should be looking at. Who has yet to testify before Congress? 
who is yet to be called? I believe the last count there were eight additional, or six additional witnesses, I believe, six or eight that were left to, to call. And, and, and Feinstein threw this out there. But with respect to, uh, with respect to, to John McCain, undoubtedly he's a mule. He's a mule. He acted as a mule for Fusion GPS. Now this could be argued because the FBI, was the FBI given this dossier from John McCain? Somebody's lying in this. Okay, there's 311 pages, 312 pages. And uh, as I said in my morning show today, Sundance on Conservative Treehouse does a great analysis of the whole situation, the larger picture. Well, I'll tell you something right now. The um, the lies are prolific by Glenn Simpson. Why he wasn't put under oath in front of these committees, I don't know. Everyone needs to be brought in and uh, the Department of Justice needs to convene a, a grand jury or a number of grand juries. And, and this whole thing needs to be settled via grand juries. How about they wrap up a few of the other investigations first? Well, but, but yeah, you can you can roll them all up into into one because they're all related to, to right. each other. You got the, you got the, the Clinton Foundation, you got the Uranium One, you got the emails. And and I'm so tired, I'm so sick and tired of these these moronic. Uh, 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 shills out there saying, well, you know, this has been thoroughly investigated and debunked. No, it hasn't. Uh, you know, it's it's no accident that, that there was no inspector general for the Department of State during the entire tenure of Hillary Clinton. Yeah. How, how does that work? And, and then you've got Fusion GPS, who's probably double-dipping, um, or, or Christopher, or, you know, regardless, um, Christopher Steele, perhaps double-dipping, with respect to getting paid from... Uh, Various sources, FBI, but, but but you know you follow up the chain. It's Perkins Coy, right? That, that, that's perhaps behind this. It, I, I don't know. I'm asking. Lord forbid I accuse a law firm. <laughs> yeah, but but see, but see, follow the trail. Follow the money trail. Follow the money. When they unveil the uh, the uh, pay, uh, you know who paid, uh, who Fusion GPS paid in terms of. Um, Reporters, and then of course, of course, you know what Fusion or uh, Perkins Coy is already listed on Fusion GPS's uh, uh, ledger sheet, so that's been that that's been exposed. But but the, there's a bigger story here, and the bigger story is the fact that that this is all part of a coup. Uh, what's the end game objective here? The end game objective is, is originally was to make sure that Donald Trump never assumed office. Failing that, because oh boy, they did not expect or anticipate the fact that he could he could obtain uh, secure the office of the president. Not only that, but they've been exposed now. Right, right. Is, so what we're seeing is, to me, is an exquisite, and I mean an exquisite, uh, unveiling, unraveling of the deep deep state operatives here. It's uh, it doesn't get any better than this. You've got Diane Feinstein, and you've got. Um, You've got all of the deep state minions. But let me tell you something, okay? What about on the media side? You know, how many people really talk about the incestuous relationship under Obama especially, but even through today and in the past, but about the incestuous relationship between the media and the people in power? Think about this. Susan Rice, you know who you know her who her husband is, ABC News executive Ian Cameron. Susan Rice, Ian Cameron, ABC News executive. Ah, uh, not a problem. How about uh, <clears throat> and you know this, CBS President David Rose, 
Rhodes is the brother of Ben Rhodes, who was Obama's Deputy National Security Advisor for Strategic Communications in the White House. ABC News correspondent Claire Shipman. Who's she married to? Yeah, this is kind of a... Man, this is... No. Jay Carney, press secretary. Well, I wonder if she got the uh, first question. I wonder what the pillow talk was like in that house. And, and ABC and Univision reporter Matthew Jaffe is married to Katie Hogan, Obama's former uh, deputy press secretary. And then you've got Ben Sherwood, who's president of ABC. He's the brother of uh, Elizabeth Sherwood. Again, this is back in Obama, uh, Obama's special advisor. And, of course, Virginia Mosley, married to former Hillary Clinton's deputy secretary, Tom Nides. Shall we go on? Is the system rigged? I just find yes. it rather interesting. Yes, it is rigged. That's the Part of the problem, that's why, you know, when we talk about the deep state and we talk about the influence of this evil and, and this corrupt nature and its far-reaching tentacles, this is why it's so far-reaching and it's, uh, you can never have one man or, or one movement that, that takes it out because it has grown everywhere inside of our government and it's, it, it, it has not seen any pushback in decades, if ever. So, this is, I mean, this is where we are. We have to take this apart one layer at a time. And we do see, and it is good, even though we don't have, uh, you know, we haven't seen Hillary Clinton be prosecuted for her crimes. We haven't seen, you know, the, the prosecution of Fusion GPS or some of these other, uh, you know, FBI agents. Uh, not that we ever will. They haven't even been fired. But it takes time. It takes the exposure. It takes the people paying attention, sharing the information. But, but okay, I, I have a question too, though. Now, I, I just kind of wonder what Batman's wife is thinking right about now. Uh, Batman, you, you know, uh, Peter Strzok, Batman. The guys everywhere, Batman. Wonder what his wife's thinking when it came out. Imagine that conversation. Uh, or, or maybe it's maybe it's an okay thing. Maybe it's an open marriage. But imagine that conversation. Hey, um, uh, honey. You know, some texts are going to come up between uh, uh, me and Lisa Page. This girl, you know, this woman, she's a colleague at the, at the Department of Justice. That's nothing to worry about. Hmm. Whoops. 10,000 texts, you know, and, and uh, again, Peter Strzok playing Batman. To, to, to me, I, I think this is incredible. I, I, but, but that said, uh, yeah, as you said, all right, have we seen any? Accountability. Have we seen anyone being taken to the woodshed, the legal woodshed now? No. No. A little high voice there, right? No. Um, seriously, it's, it's, uh, so, so what are we going to do? At some point, we're, we're going to have to either, e- either fish or cut bait. At some point, we're either going to have to say, okay, you know what? We're done. We're done. I'm done with you. At some point, it's either we are going to take back our government, get the hell out of the way, or just walk away. Man, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because because Huma is out there, and why in the hell isn't Huma before a congressional committee? She, apparently, she will be. Why isn't Huma being investigated for her Muslim Brotherhood ties? 
Well, you see, she's not going to divorce Anthony Yeah, Weiner. and that brings up, that's why I mentioned her, because, ah. uh, so that's nice. But there's What's a little, up with that? A little teaser, settle out of court. Which oh. They say that, well, they're not oh, going oh, to oh, settle wait, 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 divorce. Wait, how, how does this see, work? Well, the, okay. I, this is why, because I think, yeah, uh, explain they, this to me. If they do this in, in public, in a courtroom, those records could be available. Not that there's anything in the divorce. Well, wait, 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 wait. They, 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 they uh, said wait. they're going to spare their son embarrassment and settle this in a in a private. Uh, okay, so does that, does that mean? Um, what does that mean? What does that even mean? Explain this to me. I, I, I don't know. How do you do that? I, the guys that are divorced out there, and the women. How do you do that? We're not gonna. We're not gonna actually get a divorce decree. We're just gonna settle it out uh, privately. It says the, um, does that mean that, um, is that like, you know, the, the Islamic, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and then bang, it's okay? This says, Huma Abedin and convicted perv Anthony Weiner agreed Wednesday to finalize their divorce out of court seeking to protect their six-year-old son from an embarrassing public separation. The agreement between the top aide to Hillary Clinton and the disgraced serial sexter uh, pop up. Serving a 21 month sentence came the same day that their case was scheduled to be heard by Manhattan Supreme Court Judge Michael Katz. In order to reduce any impact of these proceedings on their child, the parties have decided to reach a settlement swiftly and privately. But, okay, but, but see, they still have to go through. Right. This is either, either you got a really lame report and reporter, or something doesn't smell right. Because it's like being kind of pregnant. You're either going to divorce this woman and this guy, or they're going to get divorced, or they're not. You can't. Well, so that it says, matrimonial cases are sealed. The couple could refile their divorce as uncontested, meaning they would not have to appear in court. Okay, so by the way, so sealed. Um, so for the filings, you know, um, well, actually, that's on the state level. wouldn't be on the federal level. For the people counting the 9,000-plus uh, sealed indictments, uh, you can add that one. It's going to be sealed. So, you know, willy-nilly add it to the, to the list. Of course, I'm referring to the, you know, all those indictments that are sealed. No, they're not. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, uh, people are going nuts. Anyway. So, but, but I, I, so, so tell me, um, I, st- I still don't know. Are they getting divorced? Or, or are they not getting divorced? They're settling out of Help court. Me. They're settling out of okay, court. Okay, okay. This is what we're told. So you got to take it up with the New York Daily or the Daily. All right. Where was that? No, I, I saw. I read the report. Okay. The bottom line is this: uh, to me, you've got a good chance of the fact that that you've got Huma, and, um, and you know, there's a little thing that in the law that says uh, they can't compel you to testify against your spouse. Right? That's not true. They can. Well, depending okay. on I. Uh, Look, I, I know they can, but they can't. It, right. It, 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 given the favorable treatment of all the usual suspects. You, you, yeah, here okay. they wouldn't dare. All right. So the bottom line is this. Could that be part of it? Or is there something else going on? Or is she just so, uh, you know, so in love with the Wiener that, uh, I mean, Anthony Wiener that. Uh, um, no, I think they're they're separating. They're just not doing it how normal people do. Like Hillary Clinton's motto, laws are for peasants. I guess she's following that, you know, right along. And of course, you know, I'm wondering if she's the, you know, she's going to be hanging with uh, with the Hill with Hillary, you know, Butch. Um, but you know, again, I, I, but you know, we covered that extensively on on the Hagman Daily Show today. And folks, go to HagmanReport.com. There's some interesting articles up there today. One from the National Review, which we covered, that deals with the uh, restoring the rule of law 
to the protection of classified information that deals with Hillary and Huma Abedin's role in Hillary Clinton email scandal. And it's really a, a detailed article. And I guess I can just, uh, there's one, one paragraph I want to read in here. And really, yeah, I don't know if you read this yet. It's by Anthony McCarthy, or I'm sorry, Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's really good. And uh, I don't even yeah, have to read the paragraph. It, it just it talks about, um, he argues that we could have seen the FBI go after Hillary Clinton in violation of the Espionage Act for her handling of the classified information. Well, on my Twitter feed, I've got three panels, I believe it is. Uh, I don't know what else to write. I, I mean, Espionage Act, you got the Federal Records Act, you got, uh, you, you've yeah. got uh, RICO. I mean, the, the I don't know what else retention and, and transmission of classified in, information there they list four subsections that are violations. But what the, how they sum this up is, or how he sums this up is, uh, as for Mrs. Clinton's motives, no sensible person believes she wanted to imperil the country. However, justifiably, she put her own interest ahead of the potential that the country could be threatened. Wait, wait a second. Andrew McCarthy said this? Yeah. Repeat that sentence because I have a Mrs. Clinton's motive, no sensible person believes she wanted to imperil the country. Many, however, justifiably believe she put her own interest ahead of the potential that the country could be threatened. Okay, I don't believe this was all for self, self-enrichment. That's number one. Okay. All right, because you've got a communist, a Maoist, in, in the form of Hillary, Diane Rodham, the yak, Clinton, yes, the yak. And, and she's a Maoist, she's a, she's a communist. And Sanders is a socialist, but she's a communist. So, wait a second here. That's like saying I don't believe Ethel Rosenberg really wants to sell is, out you know, the secrets to the Russians. You know, I, I just want I read a few this, bucks in her pocket. I read this whole article twice, and what he's saying is that he doesn't believe that there is enough to go after her for a treason case, uh, but he does say well, that. Well, well that's any prosecutor than, than intent. I mean, well, he says any prosecutor uh, would love to to take this case, and absolutely, it doesn't matter if in, if intent is there or not. She uh, gathered, retained, and shared classified information on a personal server, which she knew was yeah, not she secure. Did. And just by definition, uh, and, and what we see other people, the standards other people are held to, she should be uh, put in jail hey, uh, for this. L- l- Let's try this. Let's see what happens. Hey, FBI, we've got 18 emails on our server in-house here that are classified. Just let you know. Okay? Just let you know. In it, Right here in our studio, it's his server. We've, got, we've got 18 emails. Classified, top secret, compartmentalized emails on our server. John Robertson's computer. Uh, now, let's see what happens. We are at our break. We'll be right back with more news after this. Comey and Mueller ignored McCabe, McCabe's ties to Russian crime figures and his reported uh, tampering in Russian FBI case files. 
isn't this interesting? We have this, these allegations of collusion and that, that's still at the front and center. But, but, um, the wheels are coming off of that narrative. The wheels are coming off of the deep state. The walls are closing in on the deep state. I, I, I totally agree with this. But what's happening is the exposure is, is being elevated. I, I have no doubt in my mind that we're making a difference. We're exposing the dark deeds of the globalists, but what we're not seeing is justice being rendered. Not, but hang tight because what else are you going to do? All right. The more people who know about this, in, in my view, anyway, you can't stop. You can't just because we have not seen um, people being perp walked here yet. You can't stop talking about this, all right? You, because to do so, in my view, would be uh, not just irrational, but to it would be um, uh, would be self defeating. We've got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing because it, the exposure of the deep state, uh, the swamp dwellers, is what we need. Look. We need this work by shining the light, for example, on the brothers Awan in, in the largest spy ring in Congress. Something that, that the um, the press has lost interest in, apparently. What's going on there? Look, you've got the Awan brothers and family, not just the brothers. They didn't lose interest. Well, uh, we, they what never happened? wanted they to cover it in the first place. Right, right, okay. Uh, but, okay, so you've got uh the Awans, Pakistani national, including Hina Alvi, Imran Awan's wife. You've got them working thirteen years, uh twelve a little over twelve years in the uh Democratic uh uh Congress or the four Democrats in Congress servicing roughly eighty Democratic congressmen and women. And uh over twelve years, over a dozen years. And they collected for their efforts some six million dollars. And of course, the the talking point here is, uh, well, Imran Awan was arrested uh, for mortgage fraud. Well, it's not about mortgage fraud. Not not even close. Mortgage fraud is is like me uh, speeding away from a bank I just robbed and getting stopped for speeding. Okay, that's kind of what that is. The fact of the matter is, we, the taxpayers, you and I, the people listening to this in the United States, paid the salary six million plus uh, to the Awans, their family. And, uh, of course, um, they, these Pakistani nationals, unvetted, hired, um, ultimately, and, uh, Imran, ultimately by Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Meeks hired, uh, initially, uh, Imran, and then, but, uh, for the large part, Debbie Wasserman Schultz was like the key player here. And, uh, I, you know, something was going on between her and Imran, but the fact of the matter is, um, it was February 2nd of 2017 when, uh, when they announced, when the Capitol Police announced that, hey, you know what, I got really, got to tell you, there's an investigation about these Awan brothers because, so, so we have to bar them from Congress or from the Capitol building. But, but, you know, it's kind of funny because, um, for a while, Imran was, still had access to the IT, to, to the, uh, to the servers. Meanwhile, there was an offsite server. Does this sound familiar? Hillary Clinton, does this sound familiar? Offsite server. Meanwhile, an offsite server, uh, by the ones plus 20 plus Blackberries and, and, uh, laptops and such. All of this combined overlapping with, now this is, this is the, uh, Democratic, uh, congressional side. Okay. So you've got, uh, you've got a whole bunch of, uh, Democratic congressmen, three high level congressional committees. Tired of hearing this yet? Let's not. Let's keep, let's keep pushing this forward. And of course, uh, meanwhile, Hina Alvi went to Pakistan, took kids, said, Hey, I'm out of here. See ya. See you later, Imran. Uh, Butch, see you later. I'm out. And then, of course, Imran gets pinched at the airport on his way at Dallas Airport, or, or uh, I believe it was Dallas, maybe, 
I, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Getting on a plane to go to Pakistan. And the FBI said, yeah, you can't do that. Meanwhile, they let Hina Albi go to Pakistan, despite the fact that she had $12,500 cash on her, um, which they, they she didn't fill out any, any foreign state cash out of the country, and that's frowned upon, you know, for you and I, but her, okay, see you later. It's okay. to change. Well, yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, you know, hey, anytime I carry twelve five out of the country, I, I always fill out the proper forms, but be that as it may. So anyway, the bottom line on this is the ones, this is more about, and I've talked about this on my daily show, there's, this is more than, uh, mortgage fraud. And this is, this is not new, this is old. Yeah, you get tired of hearing about this, but we have to keep pressing forward with this, with this. Debbie Wasserman Schultz is part of this, and how this figures into the Seth Rich murder case, we cannot forget that. Any court, uh, uh, update? No, no, not yet, not yet. So you gotta wonder what's going on there. Is somebody flipping on the other? Uh, perhaps. Perhaps maybe maybe they're they're eking out a deal, and and I wouldn't put that past uh, you know these swarmy individuals. Oh wait, now I use swarmy with in conjunction with Pakistani, so I'm gonna get a bunch of emails uh, or upset the people that right right wing watch. It's okay. Why is that a yeah swarmy's a you know it's kind of it's I've never heard of that before. Swarmy? Nope. Yeah. When's the last time you were out of the country? You mentioned uh, you know uh, you last always... week. Last week I was out of the country. I don't remember you ever. I took 15 grand out last week. Oh, okay. Okay. And, but uh, I was actually in the Caymans. Oh, nice. See my tan? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't think that came from the weather. Oh, yeah. No, it just comes from a can, right? I use <laughs> orange, orange spray. But anyway, no, no. Donald Trump brand. <laughs> um, uh, so, so, okay. So you got the Owens, you got the Seth Rich. And the reason I'm kind of being, oh, I don't know, flippant, one might say. Is because I get these emails saying, you know, why, why we even bother talking about this? Because if we stop talking about this, this will give the deep state people, the swamp creatures, this will kind of give them a, a pass. And we want to let them know, as well as the current people in the administration know, that we are not forgetting this. Which is why every single day, you can't tire, you can't falter. We must show up and we must put pressure on these people and say, hey, it's not okay. This is not okay. They rely on us letting it go. Of course. They rely on people losing interest. And, um, you know, it, with all this stuff going on, I said this on our show earlier, you're not, the, the American people who have been paying attention for the last few years will never regain confidence in the FBI, in the government, in the DOJ, unless they right the ship, unless they hold people accountable fix the problems internally and the corruption and bias internally. They have to do this. Otherwise, they're just going to be a joke from well, here on out. And the American people who have been paying attention will know. And they'll lose their respect. They'll lose their influence uh, to a large degree. And I don't think they can afford that. So You know, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think now some people might say, well, <clears throat> for example, uh, Donald Trump campaign promises DACA. Okay, this, Let's talk this, about that a little bit. Yeah, waver. We'll talk about this with Jack Basobic too. All right. Yeah. Look, I, I'm not. I'm not really happy with what I'm seeing here with Donald Trump and DACA. However, maybe, okay. Yes, okay. Let's, let's but, lay this out. There's but, no legislation put forward yet. And right. then there was a judge today who made some ruling on DACA that just muddied the waters. I don't know if you saw that. A judge says the Trump executive order uh, 
the first ending DACA a few months ago is null and void, and he can't end it. Let, which, let DACA expire. Well, it, right, it, that expires that, in March. Right, let it expire. So you have uh, yesterday about, what, 48, 72 hours after the, the height of the the Wolf book, the, the speculative rag that came out and had quotes in it that, of people he never interviewed. Basically, it was just a, a big lie. So is that, is that filed under fiction or an elaborate? <laughs> yeah. Or is that... No, it, it should be fired under, filed under fiction, but it's not. So right after this happens, you have um, Trump yes. pull in the the people on the left and the right to talk about immigration. Not only that, he invites the media into the room, and, they, and he put on a good show uh, for about an hour and really, you know, show to the point where he even had CNN and Wolf Blitzer and them, you know, saying, wow, look at the uh, the bipartisanship and bringing them together, willing to work on DACA. They were giving the president credit, and that, that angered a lot of his supporters. Uh, I saw a James Woods tweet today that said, you know, if you cave in on DACA, you will be a one-term president. Now, with that said, what did he really do? Well, he had an open-door meeting, yeah. and, he, and he said some things like, if you bring the... Uh, bring me legislation, I will sign it. But there's two parts of this. He he understands, and this is due to his background, the art of the deal, being the businessman, that in politics there has to be compromises. If they, if the left is so hell bent on bringing immigration about, and Trump wants his his border wall, wants the border security, there's going to have to be compromi- compromises on both sides. Well, okay. That's the only uh, way this but, is going to work. Now, right, but, but is whoa, he betraying whoa, whoa. his base? Is he, uh, uh, if he were to follow there's, through there's with no compromise. That's acceptable on, on the, on the deferred action, uh, program. There should be no compromise on that. It's, uh, to me, the, the, the program itself is unconstitutional. What can you compromise on? What? Uh, where do you, where, where do you start? What's the, what's the starting point for discussion? Tell me. I want to hear this. I don't know. I'm not a policy expert when it comes to immigration. I disagree that we should just grant amnesty uh, for the sake of, of compromising or settling. We have seen the the systemic problems in, in the vetting and some of the violence. What really bugs me and a lot of other Americans is special treatment. It goes beyond um, with, with bills like this and legislations like this. What about the people who have been trying to work the system properly by following the laws and, and you know, applying for their visas, doing well, who this Who gives a crap about them if they spent three, now, three and a half years trying to get here in the right. country and paying thousands of dollars? So we'll, we'll let the illegal the aliens come in and, and let them go ahead. We're going we're gonna to give them amnesty and screw the people that worked hard and screw the people that that worked the system or that uh, went by the system. Right. Screw them. That's the, the problem. To, to hell with you. You know what? Sorry. You did it the rough way. I... Oh, I just crossed the the border. I just I just went over the Rio down here at the southern border. Ninety seven percent of the, the the illegal aliens come across the border, and, and we've got what twenty five to thirty five million illegal aliens in this country. Don't give me any crap. But this is only the this. DACA is only dealing with what seven hundred thousand. Well, it, it doesn't matter. No, it, 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 it does it matter doesn't. though in the grand scheme of things. Well, what? what? Wait but a minute. I, no, I agree Wait. that they should not be given any special or preferred treatment. No, they should not. you're either a country of laws or you're not. Exactly. Well, well, and you can't pick and choose which laws that you want to you're going to follow. And, and, and but you have to make you know, there's, there's a big difference between DACA people and people who just you know cross the border and are here illegally. I I no I get that, but. 
Well, okay. So we have to make those distinctions. Okay. And is, I get that. It, it, it's one thing to just grant blanket amnesty to illegal aliens here. It's another thing to say, you know, people who've been here, who have uh, been worked into the system, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to do something for them. So as big as a deal as, this, as people are making this out to be, I don't agree with it. I just don't see it as a huge deal for just the DACA. I don't think Trump should do it. I think he's going to alienate a lot of his supporters. And he's also going back against campaign promises. I also understand that his willingness to compromise. Now, he he shouldn't need that willingness to compromise. We didn't, not that Obama administration is a blueprint for future presidents, but we didn't see any compromise from the Obama administration. And we see the Republican majority in the House and Senate. But no, this is there's no compromise because of the, they, they were all globalists and they, yeah. all, they, they were all in agreement. You, you know, the quickest way to destroy the country is from within. Marcus Tullius Cicero has a great quote from, um, no, the name of, it escapes me, but, but bottom line is, yeah, you know, you, you fear the people already on the inside uh, or those are to be feared, those already on the inside. So you've got all of these illegal aliens in this country. And and I did a video, and you know, I did a video that's uh, today talking about uh, illegal aliens and the the fight. And, and, and the, the, well, this is important because I think that we are oh we're being groomed, and isn't it easy to fall into the trap of the globalists and the progressives and the liberals and the the, the wackadoodles who who want to and have hijacked our language. Uh, for example, undocumented. Did I, did I say this earlier? Because I've said this uh, a couple of times. You said this times, in the video. But not here, right? No. All right. Mad cop. Um, <laughs> okay, the, the, the words being hijacked. We're, we're, the language has been hijacked by the progressives. Un, undocumented uh, immigrant instead of illegal alien. Okay, no. That's like saying a burglar breaking into your house is an undocumented and uninvited guest or or you know somebody robbing a bank that's an undocumented withdrawal all right that's how, it's so oxymoronic and and we have to stop using the language of the globalists and going back using the language the proper language and call these people what they are they're illegals and don't let others tell you that, well, a person can't be illegal. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, you can, and you are. All right? So, I guess what I'm saying is, you've got um, the globalist plan to destroy a country from within is using the uh, the aliens, illegal aliens. That's it, part of it, of course. Borders, language, and culture, as Dr. Michael Savage says. You've got the culture being changed because of the lack of assimilation following the 1965. Um, yeah, after 1965, the immigration system changed. The, the people who would assimilate and, and be most like Americans already here, no, we're going to shut that tap off, and we're going to turn the spigot for the, uh, the, the Muslims and others on. So what we saw was a whole bunch of people coming over here with different cultures and who did not want to assimilate. And, of course, the amnesty of 1986. Remember that. Nobody should forget the 1986 amnesty. 
oh, we are going to go, you know, the, this sensible immigration reform and, and amnesty. You give us amnesty, we're going to give you sensible reform mm-hmm. and immigration. I definitely don't like the part that, you know, this DACA has right. to come first, and then they talk about border security and border wall. Yeah. It has well, to be a one-off deal, because they get to the, the they pass DACA, you think they're really going to turn around and start negotiating no, where the money's no. going to come from to fund Trump's border wall? Absolutely not. No. So, I don't, I don't know. You do the border wall for, first, then you do DACA, if you really want to do DACA. But I don't see, I mean, Trump has done a lot of good. And just him being well, yeah, in the yeah. place of Hillary Clinton is enough for me. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm not criticizing Donald Trump at all. I'm, no, I'm saying I mean, that, he, did, that he might okay. deserve some criticism here. Well, uh, look, and I agree. You know, he's better than Clinton. He's certainly better than Sanders. But but the, uh, but but the bottom line here is, let's see. It's not done yet, right? So let's see. Let's see where this is going. And that was another point. It was just a sit-down meeting. It could have been more of a political stunt than anything else. I don't believe that's the case because I do think that he is sincere about trying to get something um, accomplished with a bipartisan deal. But at the same time, you have to remember the media has been, um, you know, turning up their insanity even from the beginning of this new year after how crazy they were last year. And this kind of dropped them off his back. Not that I really think he cares about that, but it's interesting to see the 180 by the media kind of singing his praises today and i watched a few hours of cnn in the background today uh doing different things and are you, are you okay now no i do every morning I, I always keep it on when i'm sitting at my table doing the website or doing dishes or whatever but they were uh i didn't hear any any uh you know trump's insane uh you know trump's racist trump's a hater but the one thing that you see what would he say this has to be a bill of love right i thought that was kind of weird considering that uh uh, and I rattle off some numbers that uh, in in my video that I did, considering that uh, you know think about this as I said between and the numbers are so messed up because you you can't get crime statistics from uh, from state or local and even the feds don't really keep uh, on on a crime for crimes they don't keep statistics with respect to to the country of origin or the immigration status so it's difficult so I used in, in the video. Uh, the uh, from the sentencing uh, statistics between 2011 and 2016, but consider this: that 97 percent. Well, you know what? You can watch the video. But the bottom line is, we have in this country a problem with with illegals. A disproportionate number of illegal aliens in this country commit a disproportionate number of crimes, and that is bore fruit borne out through these the sentencing. Uh, numbers given by a recent study. Now, having said that, why even bother with that? All right, because the we are told all the time that well, the illegals in this country, the illegal aliens, or undocumented workers, undocumented, right? Oxymoron. Again, take back taking back our language. The illegal aliens, of course, they wouldn't commit the crimes because why? Because they they would they don't want to they don't want to draw attention to themselves. What a load of crap! I, I mean, I'm serious. As a matter of fact, uh, this this survey of sentencing guidelines between between 2011 and 2016, the uh, the 44.2 I believe it was uh, percent of the 312,000 sentenced during that five year period were immigrants. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, 
Right, okay. But the immigrant population is only 8.4% of the United States. These numbers get kind of, you, you, you gotta kind of think, think about this. So, when you're talking about 44% of the crime, uh, caused by 8% of the population, that is a disparate amount. And of that 8%, a little over 4% are legal immigrants and 4% are illegal aliens. And, and then, of course, it's broken down further by crime, and they're violent crimes, of course. But remember, you know, Kate Steinle. Yeah. And other cases like that. So the bottom line, we cannot afford to continue the policies of the 60s, the Johnson policies, the, you know, the Great Society, let's bring these people in who won't assimilate. We can't afford to do that. Enough is enough. And let's ship the people we've got out. I'll drive the bus. Pick me. I'll be driving the bus. Get in. I'll take you down. I can't find the article now, but did you see what they're doing in Sweden? They are saying that if you're an immigrant, if you have been on state assistance, that you are unable to be a citizen. Also, you are unable to to vote if you've been on uh, assistance and you became a citizen or something like that. I can't find the article now that I was looking for earlier, but... Uh, what about putting it in place, you know, for the DACA people? Something along the lines of you have to take a civics class for the first two times you get your driver's license renewed. You can't vote for the first ten years you're in the country. You can't be on state assistance if you want to become. You can't be on welfare if you want to become a citizen. It's putting things in place to motivate people to be productive citizens while obtaining their citizenship. If they did something oh, like that, I mean, boy, that, that would really you're you're mean. Huh, mean. You're Heaven mean. forbid we had some standards in order to You're gain mean. citizenship in this country. No, 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 no. This is going to be a I mean, if they're going to do it, why not put some protections and things in there that keep the no. people who are benefiting from the programs motivated in order to work hard and do you want be part me to of kneel? society? Do you want me to kneel at the next, uh, you know, at the next uh, national anthem? you want me to kneel on the sidelines? I will. Yeah, you keep talking. If you like kneel that. on the at the national anthem in, in the last well, ten well, years, you can't gain citizenship. <laughs> Something like that. Well, you, you know, again, you're you're mean, but but see, That's the, fine. But this is how crazy that this has gone. So, the, looking at all of this, the, the really the news. Forget, it. look, for, don't don't everyone not get excited about DACA? Okay, we're going to see what Donald Trump does. Yeah, That's what we need to do. See what he what passes. Right. See what he signs. That's right. And let's not lose focus of the coup that's going on right now. I think the biggest news in, in the history of this country is what's going on right now. There's a coup taking place. It began under Obama. And where's Obama right now? He's, he's, he's in, in Chicago. Chicago right. Trying to, trying to, uh, to, to build his socially regressive library. But, but see, he, he, just like Clinton, he's got a Clinton uh, uh, foundation, right? Or he's got a foundation. Obama foundation. Right. You're, you watch. He's going to be going, hey, Hillary, man, that worked for you pretty well. I'm going to try it. Uh, we're going to have Charles Ortel on on Friday. You're going to have to, again, to talk about this. But Charles Ortel mentioned this. But, yes, the, the but where's Obama? Obama is busy running and, and being uh, superintending the shadow government that is operational in the United States. He's part of the deep state, and I believe that that's the biggest story, the coup that's taking place. Regardless of whether Hillary Clinton's a private citizen or not, she still is imposing her uh, her ideology through her minions. Left, you know, the the people who are uh, the ideologues for Hillary 
who are in the state in in the uh, still in government, the ideologues for Obama still in government. So all of this, this is uh, they're throwing interference up for the forward progress of Donald Trump. This is the biggest story in my view in in American history. It is a coup. Now Devin Nunes, thank God he's getting to the to the bottom of a lot of this. And then of course you got Diane Feinstein throughout the throughout the uh, uh, Fusion GPS interview, which again, as I said, coming onto the show. That to me is, uh, aside from unethical, that, that could in fact be, uh, construed as being tampering with an investigation, in my view, anyway. If I did that, you just don't do that. Because that's like, as I said before, that's like inviting, and you can check my videos too, it's like, it's like inviting, uh, uh, hey, I'm gonna interrogate, uh, uh, person A. People are persons B, C, and D. Come on in. Come on, you can sit over there while I interrogate this person, interview this person. And take, make sure you take notes. So you can get your story straight. Cause when we, we go to court and we interview you, you know, you guys can all have your story straight. This is what Diane Feinstein did to, to go back to your initial, initial thought. And of course, you know, but this is the biggest story ever. Yeah. We are up against our top of the hour break and Jack Pasovic is going to be joining us next. And I've been looking at this funny headline and let's just get it over with. Everyone hates me, but Allah. How gay drag queen found peace despite death threats from fellow Muslims as well as far-right extremists. This is an article about a Muslim drag queen in in the UK who is how does that has a fatwa issued against him really by uh, that, that, his religion. That's like that's like saying you're a transgendered uh, yeah I know. A queer or a transgendered uh, homosexual Christian. How, how does that work? Well, it, it doesn't work. But one thing from this um, article, it says this. I've connected to Allah again. And rather than Allah being a scary patriarch punishing me for my sexuality, now I think of Allah as a non-binary genderqueer being who loves me. But this goes to the insanity of what we see in our society, as well as um, this this guy saying he can't walk around as a Muslim and drag in Britain because the far right hates him because he's Muslim and the... Islamists hate him because he's a drag queen. What a dilemma. We'll be right back with Jack Posobiec after this. Don't go anywhere. the Hagman Report. We're going to be joined by Jack Posobiec in just a few moments. Uh, a little interesting note today, the Chinese are deciding on whether they're going to halt their treasury, the purchase of U.S. treasuries, and it's a, there's some interesting reactions out there. The article on Drudge links to Bloomberg, and it's, it's more of a hyperventilating type of um, read to it. But I said earlier, you know, one country, the one country deciding not to purchase our bonds should not have any effect, long-term effects on our market. Well, I I don't know. I I, th- I think you think you look at the volume. Three point one trillion. Yeah, they have. I, I I know. But and where does it stop? You know, I, I would defer to people like uh, Salenti, Gerald Salani, for example. And I believe Gerald Salani referenced this 
some time ago. In fact, in this Trends Journal, uh, from the beginning, um, you'll have to excuse me, I've got a, I've got a mouth issue. Okay, so if I, if I sound like I'm slurring my words, it's because I am. But, um. Is because you drank too much? No, no, I drank too much coffee. But, um. No, see, he doesn't drink, so that's a funny joke. Yeah. In the studio. I don't drink, period. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think Gerald Salini might have, might have been on top of this. Uh, I have to go back and look at the Trends Journal for the beginning of the year. I read so much, but I, I, I do remember him warning yeah. about this. And, and the consequences from this could, look, they could be severe. It depends on where this stops, not where this is, not where this is at, but where this stops. And I think that, uh, the, the this is a shot across the, the bow for, the petrodollar, yeah, you know, be. sort of, kind of. Uh, again, this is a complex asymmetrical war that we're fighting between um, the between Red China, Communist China, and Russia, and the globalists, and of course our economy. But uh, in fact, we, we should get Jack Posobiec's take on this. Jack Posobiec is an author of a tremendous author. Citizens for Trump is his book, and he's he did such he did, he did us such a great favor. He uh, actually retweeted. He's got a, a tremendously huge following on Twitter. Um, I think he's got like uh, 30 people that follow him. Or, or wait a minute, no, it's uh, it's like a quarter million people that follow him on Twitter, and he, he's he's a he's why? Be, I'll tell you why because he he gets the information out there. He's on top of everything. This guy's like, uh, he, I mean, he's a dynamo. So we're, we're really glad, glad to have him. Is he? Give me a thumbs up. Thumbs. Oh, okay. Jack Pasobic is our guest. Jack, welcome. How is it going, guys? Really glad to be here tonight. Uh, coming on a little bit later here in the evening on the uh, on the East Coast DZ time, but that's perfectly fine because there was so much news today and so many stories that I've been chasing down. Uh, we're really now looking into. Uh, the sort of the, the fallout of this leaking, or I guess release, of the testimony of the Fusion GPS uh, chairman, this Glenn Simpson, uh, formerly of the Wall Street Journal, who testified and then had the testimony leaked to find, or from Feinstein. So at first, Feinstein, uh, not to cut you guys off too much off track there, but oh, take it. I mean, she first described it as a, a, a release, and then she just started kind of walking it back saying, oh no, I, I was pressured, I felt pressured to release it. The information, and then people asked her, said, "Well, okay, who exactly was pressuring you to release this?" And she said, uh, "No, I wasn't pressured. I did it of my own volition." So a lot of walking back of statements from Diane Feinstein of California and her reporting on the Intelligence Committee. Now, Chuck Grassley, who's the Republican senator and chairman of the committee, he actually said that when she released it, she had not even discussed it with him whether or not it would be made public, but. As things go in Washington, once the cat's out of the bag, the cat's out of the bag. You're not getting them back in again. So that testimony is now out there, and reporters and uh, and investigators and citizens alike are parsing through it, finding all sorts of contradictions. Probably the leading theory, though, at least uh, that I've seen, is that this now stands as a cheat sheet, if you will, a way for any further testimony from Fusion GPS or anyone associated with it or the Trump dossier, those who created the dossier, to then and and uh, to then go back and refer to this to make sure that they don't make any repeated or false statements because it looks like they're going to be called in for testimony from the Judiciary Committee as well as potentially uh, Robert Mueller and his investigation or 
if the president gets around to it, or I should say Jeff Sessions gets around to it, and actually appoints a second uh, special investigator or even brings in a U.S. attorney to find out what exactly was going on with Fusion GPS, the surveillance that was conducted on President Trump, this counterintelligence investigation that Comey admitted that had been opened in 2016. So a lot of, lot of stuff on that front. Uh, I know you guys are talking China. That's always a, a topic that's, well, that's near and dear we, to my we, heart. We can and, get that. But 2018 is, is huge as well. Yeah, we can get to China in a moment and get your take on this. But but, but continuing with the um, with the dossier or the uh, 312-page transcript of, of uh, Simpson's August 22nd, 2017 testimony before Congress. First of all, I was underwhelmed when I read the 312 pages. Uh, I, I was I. I what was I reading? This time I redacted the uh, version, but there seemed to be a lot of inconsistencies in what he was saying, aside from the fact that he wouldn't reveal his his client, which you know, admirable, I guess, right? Um, but but the Feinstein tossing this. That out, said, we to to we by and large already know who it is, right? right because right. since then it's come out that it was through intermediaries, lawyers like Perkins Coie. We know that it was. Hillary Clinton, her campaign that was funding, that had hired essentially uh, Perkins Coie, who then hired Fusion GPS. Exactly. But, but I, I agree with you 100%. What Feinstein did was single-handedly in one move contaminated the witness pool 100%, and and really took the investigation and and uh, made, you know turned it sideways. In, in law enforcement, that's, you know... Yeah, exactly. To put it in law enforcement terms, this is why you interview witnesses separately. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm really... Uh, I mean, I'm angered by this. To me, this is this would qualify, in my view, anyway, of tampering with, with evidence, uh, tampering with witnesses in, in a kind of an oblique way, but nonetheless, tampering with witnesses. But, but my friend, look, uh, just keep going. You, you got the floor. Well, certainly, you know, we, we hear that that President Trump's firing of Comey or that his drafting of talking points for Don Jr. Uh, was that's that's always bandied about by the press and many on the left as obstruction of justice. Uh, however, that's an investigation, an ongoing investigation, hasn't turned into a judicial or hadn't at the time turned into a judicial proceeding. Uh, by that same token, I guess I would say, though, by that standard is what Dianne Feinstein now did, obstruction of justice because she has now contaminated any future witnesses that had anything to do with that dossier because they can simply read that, go through, and prepare whatever remarks they have. But it's also interesting because Fusion GPS is now actually walking back statements that they themselves made in the dossier uh, through different um, intermediaries with the media. One statement that they've already tried to walk back, it was, and, and both of them that they've walked back, I should say, actually, are the major headlines that the mainstream press, the left-wing press, mainstream media, ran with that testimony, first of which being that the FBI had a source within the Trump campaign. Do you remember those headlines yesterday? Oh, yeah. We saw every headline said that's what the testimony told us. There was a source that FBI had a source that someone was leaking on Trump. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So... Uh, it was later reported that uh, from NBC to, um, that, that Fusion GPS had reached out and said, actually, uh, what we meant to say was George Papadopoulos later talked to the FBI. So exactly. not quite the same thing whatsoever. It was you had somebody who wasn't inside the campaign. They were basically a volunteer, low-level advisor, 
had some email addresses that he was sending around, wasn't able to get anything out there, and later was interviewed by the FBI, which we already know, which, because we know that he pled guilty and had that deal with, with Mueller that he's working on. So that statement that there was a source within the campaign during the time of the campaign was is false. It's patently false on its face. Well, Jack, Second, yet, yet, yet that, that okay. headline stayed the headline stayed on the Washington Post all day. Go ahead. And, and forgive me for asking this if this isn't this yes, is not clear to me. Was Papadopoulos charged with lying to the FBI because he was lying about he was misinforming on Trump, or was it that he was trying to hide something from the FBI? Do we know? So we haven't. Um, as far as I know, we haven't actually gotten a specific detail on what the lie was. I believe it had to do with, with ties to Russia. However, um, you know, they're also investigating the guy's, um, the guy's Italian fiance right now, as, uh, is, is the length that they're going to with this thing. But no, I believe they're referring to statements that he later made in an interview, uh, as a process, not anything to do with during, uh, his conduct or statements during the, uh, during the campaign. Okay. The reason I asked that question is, uh, when I was listening to CNN earlier, it, it, they made it sound like um, he was trying to, to inform on Donald Trump but lied to the FBI about the information that he was giving them. But I, that didn't sound right with the way they said it, and I just wanted to clarify if you if you had an under, understanding on that. But, yeah, again, this is what this is why the timeline is so important with this whole situation, and it's why they've created this uh, confusopoly around the entire Russian investigation. Remember, originally we were told Russia hacked the election. I always try mm-hmm. to go back to that and tell people, you remember that originally we were told Russia hacked the election, and that's what the investigation was about. And then somehow that morphed into Russia colluded with Trump, and I'm not really sure what they colluded with with Trump to, on what, right? right? Because we now know that Russia didn't do anything that shifted the election, so where was the collusion? What was the payoff, right? What was their payoff? So I, I digress. So the timeline makes so much sense, and it's so important. And this is where CNN got caught up not too long ago when they reported on WikiLeaks and tried to state that Don Jr. and the campaign were given WikiLeaks in advance of their release. They got the date wrong, and it turns out that the email was sent to the campaign after the release of WikiLeaks Mm -hmm. so that their entire argument, their entire, excuse me, um, their entire article, their entire uh, thrust was false. And again, we still haven't been given any details as to who those leakers from the House side were, that the two sources, supposedly, that both read the information and read the date wrong. Remember, we were told the date, oh, they just got the date wrong. It wasn't the, three it wasn't the fourth, it was the 14th. Two people or three people, right? Multiple sources who all read the date wrong, but all reported the exact same date. Not sure how that works, but in, in intelligence, we call that collusion. Uh, then, if back, back in the Navy, we would call that collusion. Then, um, with this second piece, it's, it's kind of reminds me of David, uh, Brian Ross, excuse me, Brian Ross stating that, uh, that Flynn was having conversations during the election with the Russians. Then it turns out, no, actually it was after when he was the transition, uh, when he was on the transition team after the election. So again, you can't collude to win the election after the election. So Jack, what do you think the meat? I mean, obviously there's still the Mueller investigation. What else? Uh, the media seems to the last few days kind of dropped off, but we know how the Russia topic always pops back up. Um, this Mueller investigation. This seems. Uh, we just read today that that Mueller hired some cyber security or cyber prosecutor added onto his to his team. We've also heard speculation that that this investigation could wrap up soon. But what what are your thoughts on where this is going? 
Real quick before I answer that, I want to hit on the the second piece of the media narrative that's already yeah. been walked back by Fusion GPS, and then I'll get to that question. So just the the second one, and it's 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 even a little bit more ridiculous. So there were all those headlines yesterday that stated that someone has died because of the dossier, right? They said someone has been killed because of this dossier already. These huge outlandish claims that were all over the place. Well, a Fusion GPS source finally reached out to CNN and said, "Well, we don't have any proof of that, but we assume." We assume someone has because because people die in Russia frequently, and so we assume that one of those was tied to the dossier. That's that was actually what they said. So again, not quite the same thing, and actually completely walked back the statement. Haven't seen any retractions from media. Haven't seen any updates from media, but that's par for the course when it comes to them. Now, getting back to Mueller and his hiring of a cybersecurity expert. This may be. Uh, what I think, this may be an attempt to go through. Remember, we know that he has the emails of the transition team, right? He has the emails of the transition team, and it's po- it's possible that he may have some Trump campaign emails as well. My guess is that he's going to be going in through those and potentially looking at cybersecurity firms to go after phishing attacks, to go after malware, to go after uh, any any bad code that could be in there, anything that we're potentially um, there were links to intelligence services, whether it be Russian, American, or other, right? Chinese certainly uh, has a very strong cyber intelligence component, North Korea as well with, North, with, uh, with Sony. But they would then be able to look through those to see if there's any evidence of cyber crimes or cyber penetration that was done of the Trump campaign. Or And it kind of reminds me of that one story that proved to be false, about that we were told that that the Trump Tower had a connection to this Alpha Bank, which was a Russian bank. And there was supposedly some server in Trump Tower. Uh, Washington Post ran this whole story during the election, and then of course it had to be completely walked back when it said, "No, that was just a regular financial transaction. It wasn't any any type of you know nefarious backdoor." But it, it it strikes to me that this may be a new opening, a new line of questioning that they're going after. And um, to answer your second part of the question. It really also seems that this investigation isn't winding down anytime soon because they are now looking for new avenues of approach. They're looking for new channels of investigation, new lines of inquiry, and really moving the football, uh, or I should say moving the, uh, the goalpost. Because, again, we, Mueller's mandate was only to look into Russian collusion. Yeah. That's it. So if he doesn't have that, he should close up shop and go home. There's, there shouldn't be any question of, of whether the president should fire him. He should have the understanding and the wherewithal and knowledge of U.S. law to state that his mandate is only to look at Russian collusion. If he does not have that, then the answer is no. There, there was some smoke. There is no fire. There is no there there. There was no Russian collusion. Yes, there was a meeting with someone who may have been from Russia, but guess what? There was no collusion. We have no proof of it. So clean bill of uh, health, I guess, in the case, and no and no, no evidence found whatsoever. But that's not what's happening. What's happening is it's continuing, it's going forward, and we see now Mueller getting closer and closer, or attempting to get closer and closer to the president himself. Interesting. By the way, our guest is Jack Posobiec, as if you didn't know him. <laughs> fantastic, uh, fantastic man. Citizens for Trump is the name of his book, The Insights, um, The Inside Story of the People's Movement to Take Back America. If you haven't got a copy of this, get a copy of this, please. It's a great read. It talks about the, uh, behind the scenes yeah, the of whole the people's movement. Yeah. Working it's, of the campaign and it, what his experience. 
working on on the Trump campaign. I actually I actually bought two copies. I have one, and I gave one to my wife. She loved it. And uh, I'm gonna just I'll tell you what I'm gonna have to get one for my neighbor's birthdays this month. But uh, Jack Pasovic is our guest. Jack, uh, wherever you want to take it from here, because man, you just go. I appreciate that so much, guys, and 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 definitely appreciate. Um, you know, talking about the book. I'm actually, I spent, uh, the past few days, I'm, I'm just editing now my next book, which is, which is on the cusp of being, uh, delivered to the publisher. And that's, that's going to be called 4D Warfare, uh, how to fight the culture wars and win. And we're going to talk a lot about different cultural warfare, um, tools and tactics that President Trump has used, that citizens have used, and uh, in attempts to win the culture war with the left, and then also look at some of the tactics that the media uses, that the left uses against us, so a lot of media psyops. Uh, one one big chapter that I'm going to have is, that I just finished working up, is talking about how Trump took on the NFL, essentially, and won, and a lot of people, when that happened, they didn't understand. They didn't understand why Trump was was talking about the NFL, why was a president bringing that up, what did that have to do with anything, and I've always said this to people, they said to understand Trump, you have to look at him, yes, of course, in terms of his legislation, yes, in terms of his policies, but you also have to measure him culturally. You have to use a cultural yardstick to measure the man, because that's what's going on, that's the tectonic shift that's going on underneath the floor plates in the country right now. Uh, it's not just sort of the above ground things. Those are all symptoms of our culture switching back from a, a lurching back at this point, thankfully, a snapping back from this far left push that had gone on certainly during Barack Obama's eight years of identity politics and far left government. Well, now we're switching back, not, not far to the right whatsoever. We're switching back to the middle. We're switching back towards a sort of center, center right country where we can have room for independents, Democrats and Republicans, but less extremes. And we don't want extremes on either sides. That's what the president's doing mainly. And that's what so many people view the president's, uh, agenda as. Now, legislatively, this leads into trouble. And that's sort of where one of the things that's been the talk of DC this week that the Republicans are are in big trouble for 2018. Um, one statement I put out earlier today, I said, it as things stand now, with the MAGA movement being where it is, with all of the drama in the wake of Steve Bannon, with the mismanagement at the RNC in terms of being able to talk to the Trump people and get their act together, they simply haven't been able to do it. They're not talking to each other. They're not picking up the phones. They're not having meetings to to discuss plans for the midterm elections and hires are going basically to to RNC people at this point because they're not they're not finding the right Trump people. All of that is going to lead to a situation where the media has referred to as a blue wave and it really looks like 2018 unless a lot changes between now and November it certainly could but we're only a few days into 2018 it really looks like things are shaping up where 2018 might be the Democrats version of 2010. Of course remember 2010 was the mm-hmm. big Tea Party wave. Yeah, and you know, Jack, it's a great point that you bring up. And I forget who was on a few weeks ago, but they looked at the historic examples of when a president takes power. The midterm elections after that usually always go the other way. And with some of the the, the sexual assault scandals that we've seen in Congress, other members of Congress not not, uh, looking to go for re-election you have some running going to be running for senator some running for governors so you have a big already you have big openings uh numbers wise on the right in inside of congress and then you have these midterm elections coming up and you see how the media has been able to continually hammer that 
Trump and, and his agenda to at least successful in the minds of some of the people who buy into it. But will that be enough? Is the anti-Trump platform enough for the Democrats to win in the midterms of 2018? That's where I'm not so sure about. They have no identity. They have no leadership. They have no ideas of their own. And what we see here is just a, a continued uh, Trump bashing campaign, and that's what these people hope to use to get into office. Do you think that would be enough for them to win more seats? So here's here's kind of my take on it, and I've had a lot of the same thoughts as you on the situation. The way I think is, in a midterm election, in a congressional inve- election, yes, it actually is. Because okay. typically, midterm elections are seen as a litmus test or a gut check on the president in power. And typically, the first one, it goes negative, right? Typically, uh, that's just how it works. It happened to Reagan. It happened to Clinton in 94. It happened to Obama in 2010. Uh, it didn't happen to Bush in 2002, but it did. It finally caught up with him. It be, but that had a lot to do with 9-11, yeah. what was going on in the country. It co- finally caught up with him in 2006 during the Iraq War and everything else. So that's that's really why there was a big shift there, which, I mean, we can all understand with the historical precedent. But looking at 2018, I think it's going to because what you have to do essentially is you need people to be defending the president who aren't the president, but you can attack all those people by tying them to the president. And these are typically congressmen and women who don't have a much higher name ID in their district than, of course, the president does. So they're going to either have to deal with whatever personal issues they have, whatever personal priorities they have, as well as everything to do with Trump as well. So it creates a huge list of opportunities for challengers, a huge list of opportunities for the party out of power. I mean, that's a position that I love being in because as incumbents, you have to defend your record. So now they've got to sort of dual hat to defend their record as their own, uh, you know, policies mm-hmm. in office and defend the president's record. So for a lot of these swing districts or we're looking at, uh, I think there's 20 Republicans sitting in districts that Hillary won in uh in 2016 and a lot of those are the ones that are are you know now uh retiring Daralissa one of those I think Hillary won his district by um five or six points possibly more than that but uh Ileana Ross Lightman is is another one way down in in Florida and South Florida but what is an interesting corollary to what you said is that it's not a winning platform in a sense because I don't think you can run a congr- excuse me a pre- presidential campaign just being anti-Trump. So it works in congressional elections. It doesn't necessarily work in a presidential election. So for 2018, yeah, it's probably going to work, and the Democrats are probably going to pick up some seats in the House. The Republicans, it looks like right now they're still going to hold on to the Senate, but it might be tighter, and it's already at, you know, 51-49 right now. But with 2020, you need so much more to win the presidency than you need to win the 535 seats of Congress, right? You need a, a, a charismatic plan, plan. You need the candidate. You need rock star appeal. You need all of those things that made Trump a winner. And you can't just have a, a blank slate of we don't like Trump. We don't like Trump. And that's why we want to get him out. It's not going to work in 2020. And of all people, Robbie Mook, the former, uh, chairman of, of Hillary's second failed campaign, he actually admitted it. He said this Russia stuff, it's not a winning platform for us. No, you're absolutely right, Jack. And we only got about a minute and a half left, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time out tonight absolutely. to join us. Just want to ask you this. Any, uh, I, I know it's really early. We saw the stuff with Oprah earlier this week. <laughs> Any idea on who will take the, the leadership mantle in the Democratic Party for 2020? 
Uh, I keep the names I keep hearing. Of course, Oprah. I mean, that's that's we know. Of course, uh, they're you know it's a trial balloon ever that's being floated right now. I, I personally don't think she does it, but I think they'll use her to endorse the way she endorsed Obama. Um, then uh, Kamala Harris is, yeah. I think, the smart money right now. But she has a lot of issues. Uh, Li- Elizabeth Warren, of course, really wants to run. She came out strongly against Oprah today. The, another, but the other names I hear are billionaires. Uh, this guy uh, Schultz, the former CEO of Starbucks, definitely wants to get in. Mark Cuban, uh, his name has been bandied around. Mark Zuckerberg, of course, we we I think everyone knows he wants to run at some point. Uh, so a lot of these these billionaires who might be wanting to come in, they said, hey, if it works for Trump, it could work for us too. Interesting. Starbucks, a uh, chicken in every pod, a Starbucks in every corner, right? <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, when's your new book coming out? Uh, don't have a date yet, but I'm, I should be delivering it very soon to the publisher. Super. In, in the meantime, Citizens for Trump, Jack Posovic's book, if you don't have it, get it. In fact, do it today. And follow Jack on Twitter. Uh, and on right Medium, there. at Jack Posovic. Right. Jack, thank you so very much for your time tonight, man, your expertise. You're always right on target. We really appreciate you, your service. Thanks very much, guys. All right, man. Thanks. Have a great night. Take uh, care. That was Jack Pasovic. Fantastic. I mean, his analysis is always spot on, right? Absolutely. You know, so, okay, we're going to be right back. You stay right where you're at. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman Report. A lot of What's news, that, a Eric? lot of stuff. Eric, we can't hear your hands, buddy. <laughs> oh, we got, we got 30, 30 seconds. What? Keep talking. Well, I, uh, I'll, I'll say. What's your horoscope? <laughs> I'll see. <laughs> My clock's off then, right? Yeah, that's more than their clock. When we come back, hey we're going to have hey Bill now. and Nicholas. <laughs> but you know what? Um, okay. A rabbi and a priest walk into a bar. <laughs> hey. edition of the Hagman Report. You know, a lot of stuff going on. I would urge everyone to tune into our respective programs. We have five hours of programming per day. Uh, I've got a show from uh, 9 to 10 every morning, Eastern Time. And Joe and John have a show 2 to 3. The Hagman, my show is the Doug Hagman uh, radio show. Hashtag DHRS. What do you think of that? Does that work? Can we do that? Are we allowed to do that? Is that, is that against the rules or what? Um, as well as... Whose uh, rules? I don't know. I'm mad cow. Um, as well as uh, John and Joe, the Daily Show, uh, two to three Eastern Time, Global Star Radio Network, and BTR. So tune in uh, to, to those programs, as well as the flagship show. But a lot of news to cover, and it, it, it's really again. Um, I was talking. You know, I mentioned this the other day. I was talking with Judy McLeod. It, it, it's uh, from CanadaFreePress.com, and it's 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 difficult to cover all of the news. It, it, it's and what you hear isn't necessarily what you should focus on. And what we have to do is we have to do, uh, just consider the uh, news like a, a multi, like a 75 car pileup. You got to do the triage. And then once you do the triage, then you can, uh, be, because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of screaming and, and yipping and yapping for, you know, people that bump their heads or, you know, hurt their little, little pinkies. And, uh, you got to ignore them, push them aside and take care of the, you know, broken femurs and the, you know, compound fractures. So that's what we we've got to do, and and that's 
And, and that's what you entrust us to do, by the way. Uh, now, come, now we have with us, and this is really interesting. You know, we, now, now we're, we're going to take kind of a turn here. F- follow me on this. You've heard us talk about Bill McIntosh, Ocasa Media. He sets up, he sets, uh, he sets us up, John up, actually, with a quality guest. Everybody from Andrew Kerr to Serpico to Joe Pistone to everyone in between. I mean, uh, quality guests. Mm-hmm. All right? the time. All the time. And, uh, now, the, uh, uh, in addition to that, he helps a lot of people. He helps a lot of people. And, and what we try to do is we try to help people. Because what is life all about and what's this show all about? You, you, obviously exposing the truth, but you also help others. And it's really interesting because we found out, and this is really, really cool. We found out that his 17-year-old son, Nick, uh, is a future Marine. But even more importantly, well, not even more, equally important, he's a, he's a conservative, he's a Christian conservative, he's a, he, uh, he, he's, he's gonna be a Marine, he's heading off to boot camp, but, um, they, they got a website, helpafuturemarine.com. And it's a great idea. It's a fantastic yep. idea. Go ahead. I'm going to Bill kick and it to Nick you. are in in Peru, and yeah. um, that's where where Bill runs Ocaso Media from, and he's been there for a while. And Nick plans on traveling to the U.S. in the next few weeks to go to a marine recruiter to sign up after a few months uh, to be bused to Paris Island, South Carolina, to go through boot camp. And Nick needs your help in order to get there. And we are blessed here on, on the Hagman Report by our listeners, by the, the advertisers and supporters, and we look for other ways to use our opportunity and our platform to help other people. And this is one of those ways. Well said. Helpafuturemarine.com is the website, and we're trying to help Bill McIntosh's son, Nick, go from Lima, Peru, to Paris Island. Paris Island. And, and everything that entails, because it's a big, it's a huge. But, but you know, that's the, that, that's the issue, because we, you can make a difference in people's lives. We can make a difference, and that's what this is all about. Welcome, Bill and Nick McIntosh. Bill McIntosh, Nick McIntosh, welcome to the Agon Report. Hey, Doug. How are you? Joe, how are you Joe? doing, John? I know you in the background with Eric. Um, thanks. It's great to be on your show. Well, it's, it's great to have you. Um, you guys... Move back a little ways, move to the left. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, you guys look good. Uh, all the way from Lima, all the way from Peru. Uh, how great is that? Um, so Nick, uh, t- I gotta ask you, man. You, you, wow. So you're gonna be a Marine. T- t- tell us about yourself. You give us a little bit about your, your background. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna get into the camera here a little bit. Um, no, I, I, I was kidding about that. You, you're, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> So, so they're moving. <laughs> Good job. I, I, I cause trouble wherever I go. You didn't have to do that, but did you guys just flip? They or? flipped. Okay, I yeah. just didn't know. Again, you know, Matt. Nick, Nick, Nick couldn't be seen, so. No, it's 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 good. You guys look good. So, all right. Yeah, Nick, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, I just uh, well. First of all, I mean, as you guys you guys already heard, my name is Nick What's Macintosh, and well, I just graduated from high school. I'm 17 years old, and I want to. I'm interested in, in uh, serving the country uh, in the military, specifically joining the United the U.S. Marines, and um, well, and also I have. I mean, maybe later on after after military service, I have the interest. Of, of serving the country also in um, the, the area of law enforcement. 
And well, yeah, that's basically it. And I'm an expat American living in Peru, as you said. That's okay. fantastic. So, so you're, I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, what is it like? Uh, well, let me ask you this. What drew you to the Marines, U.S. Marines? I mean, I mean here, because I would bet a lot of young people would, would you know, not the Marines and not even the service. Uh, we, we hear so much bad about millennials today. What, but, but here's a young man, 17 years old. Um, what is it that you like about the Marines? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, I've always had the, since I was young, I've always had the, um, the desire to serve my country in, in the military. I wasn't so sure about which branch. I mean, I was, uh, like, between maybe Army or Marines. But I decided Marine because um, they're like, uh, I mean, they're, no, they're always portrayed and they're known as being, uh, by, and they're known by their excellence, their, their discipline, and um, they're like, they're like the best, like the most elite branch of the United States Armed Forces, according to them, which I believe. <laughs> do. And, um, you know, and that's why I want to, I want to join the Marines. <coughs> And they have a lot, lots of sense of um, pride for, for for being marine. You know, a marine, uh, a former marine would always would say, "Once a marine, always a marine." And I think that's something that like that really kind of motivates me to also to be a marine. Okay. What uh, in in the marines? Everybody has a certain uh, job they apply for or field of expertise they want to go into. When when you go through the Marines, what do what do you want to do when you're out of boot camp and and uh, in into the Marines? What field are you? Interested you, you think in? you think law enforcement, as you said, or do you think that maybe that might change? Uh, well, first of all, like after boot camp, um, recruits go to what's called School of Infantry, so <clears throat> to become riflemen, because every single Marine starts as a, as a rifleman, and after that, um, they they may be sent to. So something similar to what they chose um, during MEPS, the MOS they chose. And so, yeah, the MOS is their specialty, you know. Um, but since, I, since I'm interested in, as I previously said, in law enforcement or uh, something of that, that um, area, something to, that has to do with it, I might decide to become, I don't know, maybe security or maybe military police, something like that, but I'm still not 100% sure. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, uh, let me jump in. I, I just told Joe to say something. That I said, then I jump in. But, uh, Bill, uh, how, how is it that that your offspring is so uh, uh, well grounded, and you you're just you know willy nilly? I'm kidding, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Things, strange things happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no. Uh, so, so, Bill, what do you think about? It? Seriously, what, what do you think about uh, Nick and his choices? And and uh, you got to be proud of. Your, your son. That's the big deal. I'm proud of all my kids. My kids are great kids. Yeah. Um, I think um, he's somebody. I mean, the thing about it is that Nick, you know, he was more talkative. His mom, his late mother, uh, was a little bit quiet, fun loving, but kind of quiet. And some of the older kids were a little bit quiet, like she is. She was. And Nick was a little bit more outgoing, gregarious, uh, joked around a lot. And at that time, when he was just a little kid, I was doing a lot of push-ups, and he'd see that. And I never went into the military. The closest, closest I ever got, Doug and Joe, was Navy ROTC at Holy Cross. And you know, so but I was proud of the fact that I was only there one year, but I beat all the Marines and, and the PFTs. 
So I mean, hey, so I would I would keep in shape and I do push ups and then Nick would get on my back as I do the push ups and it was kind of funny. Um, so um, he just saw these old men doing it, working out, and you know, and I had weights that I would use and and I told him about his his uncle. He had a, a cousin that fought in Vietnam was nearly killed. Um, another cousin that that fought as a second lieutenant in, in Iraq. Um, I've had a couple, at least one or two more relatives that served in the U.S. Marine Corps. Um, and Nick's mother's side of the family, um, they, uh, his uncle was, was in the kind of gorilla. Um, and so Nick saw all this and he, he just said, I, I see a path. You know, to do something important. You know, it's like Ronald Reagan said, you know, a lot of people want to, they, they reach 40 years old and say, gee, what am I doing? And has it made a difference? But Marines don't have to worry about that, and they really... And then let me tell you something. I, I want to salute the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, which is the kind of the home of the Marines, and the Coast Guard, the Merchant Marine. We have so many fine men and women serving our country. I mean, elite people. Um, there's some rivalry, of course, but Nick has met Sargis. Sargis uh, has been down to Peru, and he took us out to dinner once, a real good guy, and... Uh, you know, we, we have immense amount of respect for all the branches, but uh, there's something special about the Marines. I had my grandfather served in the U.S. Army, my grandfather served in the U.S. Navy, and then we had another grandfather that served in the Marines. And, but, you know, I, I just had this thing, and I, I pass it on to my kids, you know. I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just kind of in the way. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are trying to help Bill McIntosh's son, Nick McIntosh, who lives in Lima, Peru, uh, get to... South Carolina and Paris Island where he is enlisting in the Marines and you can help by going to helpafuturemarine.com that's helpafuturemarine.com and again Bill has done uh, so much for the show and, and got so many excellent guests we are trying to return the favor and help his son go to the Marines and get him here in the US uh, Nick let me ask you this the, the Marine boot camp obviously is the most elite the Marines are the most elite Force um, the the U.S. in the U.S. military out of the the U.S. Army, Navy, and Marines, and we know that their boot camp is is very tough. How have you been preparing? How have you been getting ready to go into boot camp? Well, the first phase of boot camp is physical. It's physically um, deteriorating and fatiguing. So, uh, first of all, I've been keeping physically fit. Uh, as, um, as my father I could, said, I could whoop you. I, <laughs> I could whoop you. Don't let him fool you. No, no. Go on. Go on. So yeah, as you're uh, better than I do, and, and uh, you're smarter. But. Okay, I've been um, I've been working out. I've been doing um, pull-ups with pull-ups, uh, sit up, um, sorry, crunches, and, and running, which are the three components of the physical fitness test the Marines and uh, after like, after these months of training I've, I've reached um, 20 pull up which is a which is a, the score you need to get the maximum grade I mean sorry the maximum I know mean, the, the amount of repetitions you need to get the maximum the maximum score in that in that area in that section and well I've been running and I've reached uh, around the I run three miles and I've, I've done it in about 24 minutes which is not so good but uh, I, I could do that in about, you know, it would take me a couple of days. <laughs> okay. 
Well, it's a snowing in area. Yeah, even in the best of conditions, it would take me a day. Seriously. Okay, and I look at a boot camp and I'd be uh, reaching for my cigar and cognac or something. But, uh, but Nick, no, let me ask you this. Yeah. Are you... Uh, you said you're doing the, the crunches and, and pull-ups and push-ups and running. Are you really pushing yourself on that running? Because I know I have many friends who went to the Marines, and uh, it didn't matter the amount of preparation they did. They, you know, ran them dry uh, while they were in boot camp. So uh, I, I know, do you have friends who have been in the Marines, and do you have any uh, firsthand accounts of what the boot camp is like so you know what to expect? Uh, well, no, I don't have any friends in boot camp uh, that have gone to boot camp. But um, uh, I mean, I've I've seen uh, like when I mean like uh, on online, I've, I've seen witnesses, I've seen um, other former Marines or or maybe current Marines that have talked about their experience in boot camp. And yeah, it's true. They say there's no true way to physically prepare and mentally prepare, obviously, for for the stress you you receive during that that. Um, period of time but um, I mean it's still obviously better to be able to run a, at least three miles in I don't know about oh, maybe yeah. under 20 minutes than going there like, without even um, breaking the minimum which is 28 so I mean yeah maybe I'm still going to get like really fatigued during boot camp maybe I won't be able to I mean maybe I'll have trouble but I mean it's better I'll, I'll have less trouble than somebody who's who's overweight and, and who can Run three miles fast enough or something. But you know, in the Marines, they—it uh, doesn't matter how in shape you are, how long you can run, because they—they do what they do in order to break you down. Are you ready for the 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 mental side of this? Because I would say the mental is just as hard as the physical uh, side of things. Yeah, I, I maybe even think that the mental part is is harder. It's actually harder than the physical part. I mean, I guess they're probably both. Um, like complement each other, but um, yeah, I mean to be honest, I think there's um, what well, what people say is true. Well, Marines, current Marines, and former Marines say is true. You can't get uh, mentally prepared for boot camp, and yeah, obviously to be honest, I'm not mentally prepared. But I think that uh, not being mentally prepared is what actually helps you um, helps you go through have you have you have you transform kind of you know like become more disciplined more. Um, Learn how to push yourself and and all that stuff after boot camp. You know, or during boot camp. Boot camp. Okay. Again, the website is helpafuturemarine.com. Helpafuturemarine.com. Uh, we're helping Nick McIntosh get to Paris Island in South Carolina from Lima, Peru, and we need your help to do so. Let's um. You know, I have a question since you're in Peru, and this is we're going to get back to the the main topic, but. Uh, Bill, maybe you can chime in on this. Um, uh, you know, you're in Peru. What's the voting system like down there? And this is something I know you and John had spoken about, and I heard something about this, and I was intrigued by what I heard. So I, I felt I feel it's necessary maybe to to tell the audience what's what's the voting verification process down there. And again, this the reason I'm asking this is because I. Overheard a conversation between you and John. I, I, when I was listening to the tape replay of your conversation, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, seriously though, uh, w- I, there's something going on with the voter verification process in Peru. Tell us about it. It's it's, it's real simple. It's common sense involved. This shows what 
Uh, a country can do when it just wants, when it considers the right to vote a very, very sacred uh, duty and a very sacred um, privilege. And what they do is, first of all, and this is starting to change, unfortunately, but basically it's been like this. You go to one precinct, one voting precinct only. They have your picture there. They have your signature, uh, probably. They have your fingerprint. When it's time to vote, you go there. Some people get on a plane and fly to Lima, fly to Arequipa, Tumbes, Puta, wherever, and they go, they vote because you get fined if you don't vote. You know, but that part I'm not so happy about. But bottom line is that um, you have to present a voter ID, and this is a voter ID that everybody has. I don't care if you're earning $200 a month. And there are people that earn a, a low wage like that, lots of them. But there are people who literally earn 200 bucks a month, you know, and might, might earn, uh, you know, $5 a day. Everybody has, in some cases, it's even kind of like a, you might even call it a biometrically enhanced national ID card, and it's used for voting verification, it's used for getting on a bus, it's used for entering a building. You enter a building, you, you give it to them, and they will give you a little um, something to put on your hotel. And then on the way out, you give it back, and then they give you your national ID card. I uh, want to go to a school, a university. Um, you want to make a, a deposit into a bank account. You show your national ID card. It's just universal. It's unthinkable that people would find it to be economically onerous uh, or, or, or too problematic to require somebody to get a national ID card. It's just necessary. Everybody gets it, and, and it just... You know, you see little these little peasant women with you know fedora hats on, and you know they've got they've got a national ID. Uh, I've got I've got a, uh, something that's a little different. It's kind of the idea, but that's the same idea. But the bottom line: you go to the voter precinct, you present it. They look at you, look at the picture on the on the voter ID, look at the picture in the book. They say, okay, take this pen, sign. They give you the ballot. They take your fingerprint. They put it in there. And then you vote. Now, it used to be, up until like maybe two years ago, they would take your finger and they would dip it in this really dark bluish-black ink. And let me tell you, you would have a blue-black finger for about 10 days. The idea is you can't then leave that voter precinct and go to two or three other ones and revote. It prevents fraud. It's effective. It works. I've seen it tabulate results like that, even though you're using paper ballots. It's really well done. So if anybody ever tells you, in a poor country like Peru, where people earn, many of them earn under $300 a month, that it is problematic and discriminatory for the poor people to be expected to get a lousy $10 government-issued ID, tell them about Peru. They're full of it. It's, absolute, it's, it's an absolute canard. It's a, a scam. It is bogus. In countries like Peru, they currently have a better voter verification system than the United States. It is a disgrace for our country to continue like this. It's inadmissible that we continue with this idea that anybody shows up and uh, can vote even on the day that they've, they've registered. That's ludicrous. That's an insult to people's intelligence. I once told a janitor about what people say about uh, you know restricting the vote or uh, suppressing the vote, and he looked at me like, what are they? They think you must be children in the United States. Yeah, they say they equate, uh, you know, showing an ID while voting to voter oppression.
And then, you know, what's really interesting is I saw some videos where you have some man-on-the-street interviews, and they go into the, uh, the these uh, cities and interview people about what they think if they believe the same way. But obviously it's a ploy for voter fraud, Bill, and we know that. And this system, uh, so they put the ink on your finger, like when uh, somebody uh, robs a bank and takes one of the ink notes and the, the ink splashes all over you, you can't get it off for, for five, ten days, the same kind of the ink. But, you know, it's funny. I was in, I was once in the National Central Bank talking to a lady in the counter, Mr. Somebody, and I know I looked at her finger. She answered the phone. Her finger was big. I said, oh, I forgot. On Sunday, they voted. This is like, you know, three, four days prior, and it still was there. It was still showing up on her finger, but you know, people just, it's just a routine thing. It's, it's no big deal. People know about it. Everybody, everybody's got a blue finger for a couple of days, and that's that. But, um, you know, I mean, don't, don't buy the stupidity. Your gut tells you this whole thing about voter suppression is an absolute scam. It's to facilitate voter fraud. Period. Okay? Yeah. That's what it is. It facilitates voter fraud. Absolutely. Well, we guys, we only got about three minutes left, so... Uh, the website, helpafuturemarine.com, helpafuturemarine.com. We're trying to help Bill McIntosh's son, Nick McIntosh, get to South Carolina for boot camp in the Marines. And in all seriousness, I cannot think of any more deserving people, any better people, any better cause. Help a Marine. Thanks. And, and One quick question. Uh, pardon me, Doug and John. I want, uh, Joe, I wanted to mention something. That That's actually the, the Ocaso Media website. So when you go to it, you'll see Ocaso Media speakers and all that. But... Um, and, and people might wonder, well, we have a goal of $2,500. Why do we have a goal like that? I mean, flights from Peru to the, to the States, uh, you know, aren't that expensive. The, the thing is, is that he's a minor. His mother's deceased. Whenever you have a situation like that, it's really complicated. So there's lawyers, attorney fees. I have to buy a road trip ticket. Uh, I have to, uh, maybe there's an issue of documents being translated from the United States. Uh, and there's also other things we have to do, living expenses for a couple of months. Once he goes to Paris Island, I'm sorry, once he goes to the Marine Recruiter, what he's going to do is he's going to be screened, pre-screened, and then you don't get sent to Paris Island immediately. We're talking like maybe two, three months, four months. He has to cover his living expenses. So that's, I would say, the bulk of it, you know. And plus, I'm, I'm putting him in, put him in drownproofing. I'm going to put him in mixed martial arts, give him driving lessons, a whole lot of stuff that, they're really important to do uh, so that he's going to be able to um, acquit himself well with Marines. I want to somebody to... I, I got to tell you, Bill, that's a very conservative amount, and I and I would urge everyone dig deep and and, and help this young man out because look, um, I, I know the backstory, and I can tell you this: it's you need to do this. I, I don't care. You need to do this. Uh, build the website again. Ocaso Media, but the website again for direct on You can go to Ocaso Media, or it's easy. It's easy. Help a future Marine. If you see Ocaso Media, just plow ahead, and there's a Donate Now button. Uh, it's actually not a you caring set. Initially, we were going to do that, but it's, not, it's a crowd. It's a, uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, it's a crowdfunding site. Um, I forget the name of it, but you just donate. You click on Donate Now. You'll see Nick doing his pull-ups. He's now up to 20. Uh, and uh, and anybody out there who's a young man or woman who wants to serve your country, hey, check out the Army, check out the, the Marines, check out the, the Navy, check out the Air Force, check out the Coast Guard. A lot of people would benefit immensely, uh, you know, serving your country in the Armed Forces. They, they, they give you a lot of benefits, but you get so much from it. It's amazing. You come out of it uh, having, you know, learned responsibility, discipline, uh, working on a team, solving problems. I mean, it's just invaluable. 
I have such respect for, uh, I'm proud to say that my, you know, my son's going to present himself to the Marine recruiter. And I hope all of you can, can do likewise, the Marine, Army, Air Force, Navy, whatever. Serve your country, guys and gals. Absolutely. Nick, best of luck best to you. Best of luck, indeed. And I'm sure we'll hear from you again sometime here in the future. But uh, uh, great job, and, and congratulations on, on setting the, the goals high. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Joe. We're, we're really proud. Of, we're proud of you. And you know what, Bill? We're, we're glad to know you. And, and Nick, you got a great, you got a great day. What's that? I'm sorry. I said, we should go to, to Erie, Pennsylvania, bring a snow shovel to help out. Well, yeah, 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 indeed. But, uh, wow. uh, yeah, National Guard. Well, uh, Marines. Hey, thank you so very much. And again, uh, it's, it's very much, I know the backstory. And if anything, um, folks, um, you just don't know the half of it. So help a future marine.com dig deep. Let's do it. Let, let's get them there and let's get them to Paris Island and let's, let's make it count. And, Amen. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Doug. Thanks, Joe. Right. Thank you, John and Eric and the whole Hagman team. Thank you guys. God bless. All Thanks right. Coming up next, Pastor David Langford. Don't go anywhere. Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report. We are going to be joined by Pastor David Langford, who hasn't been with us for the last three weeks, as he was um, taking some time with his family and and traveling with them and seeing them for the the holiday break Missed that we him. just had. Missed them. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. We need that that spiritual B twelve shot. I got to tell you, uh, Pastor Langford is is it really keeps me on track in terms of um, you know the the the, the scriptural information that he provides the information and inspiration both it's fantastic um but i, I just want to just kind of chime in here and say this make sure you tune in to my radio show in the morning nine o'clock i'm going to be covering some really interesting topics by the way i have not forgotten about the watergate special i'm going to do that uh maybe that'll be a bonus hour because there's just so much to cover but tomorrow's going to be a pretty heavy news day i know joe and john from two to three as well so and if it do us a, a favor as well tell others about our, our programs this program the flagship program and our individual programs and, and this is another important thing if you can click the follow button on BTR, uh, even if you listen to us on Global Star, click the follow button on BTR. That helps us. It raises the awareness, and it uh, tells people that, uh, yeah, you're listening regardless of the platform. So I just wanted to mention that. It's going to be an exciting day tomorrow, a lot of breaking news, a lot of information. And, um, by the way, uh, watch – I'm going to just say this. Watch WikiLeaks. Hmm? Watch WikiLeaks. That's all I'm going to say. Well, there's some talk about Julian Assange being granted a passport. No, no, no. I'm Ecuador. talking about the information that okay. releases. Okay. Well, we'll keep our eye on that. Although that's not that far out of the, necessarily out of the picture, but watch the information. Go ahead. Pastor David Langford is our guest from The Voice of Evangelism. That is his website, Pastor. It's been a while since we've had you on. It's great to have you back. Uh, yes, it is. And it's a great joy to be back with you guys and, uh, Doug, I'll try to keep you on the spiritual path, and I'll let Renee keep you on the other path. How's that? Man, I'll tell you, she's got a frying pan, and she smacks <laughs> me, you know, like the cartoons, right? No, I'm, 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 I'm kidding. But, but, uh, 
Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, and, and our thanks to you. And it's just so great uh, that, you, that you're back. And uh, uh, we miss you in your absence. But, but man, let's just, uh, you know, the floor is yours, Pastor. Well, thank you. And uh, unknowingly, I suppose what I'm going to talk about tonight may very well coincide with what you're going to share tomorrow. You know, back in October of 2016, I believe it was, September, October, uh, Steve and I were on your program, and we talked about Cyrus out of Isaiah chapter 45. And um, for the last, I don't know, six or seven weeks, uh, even before I took some time off, the Lord was dealing with me about Isaiah chapter 45 again. And, of course, we all know that Donald Trump was the 45th president. And there was a lot of uh, insightfulness in the fact that Isaiah 45 speaks of King Cyrus. Uh, It says that he was God's anointed. I'll read the scriptures here in a minute, but I want to kind of build a foundation quickly. When it says he was anointed, he wasn't anointed in the sense of a ruler, a king, a prophet over Israel. Uh, Cyrus was a non-Israelite. However, he was appointed by God as the Lord's anointed for a particular purpose. Now, I carry a spiritual anointing for ministering the Word of God and preaching the Gospel. Uh, That's totally different. Anyone that holds a five-fold ministry gift has an anointing uh, that empowers you to do what God has called you to do. That was not the kind of anointing that God placed on Cyrus. He placed a different anointing upon him, yet he was anointed of God, because God handpicked, God handchose him. Uh, As far as we know, Cyrus was not a righteous king, or for that fact, even a monotheistic king. We just know that God chose him for a specific task. Now, when God chooses anyone, just like the, 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 the donkey began to speak, to Balaam. Uh, There was an anointing there in in, in a different way in that context. The anointing is is, is the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Ghost is what gives men power or revelation or empowers them to carry out a particular task. Uh, We read in Acts 10.38, Peter said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. The, the Holy Ghost is the anointing. He's the one that moves and makes things happen. So God specifically ordained and anointed Cyrus to deliver the uh, Israelites from their Babylonian captivity and to return them to their homeland. Now, Cyrus may not have known in his spirit that God was using him in this way. This is why... I've quoted it so many times, and I'll quote it again, Revelation 17, 17. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his will. A king may think he's just doing something of his own will or his own volition. But what he doesn't understand, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. So God can turn the king to do certain things, to accomplish God's plan, God's will, and God's purpose. But I want to look at Isaiah 45, verses 1 through 3 tonight. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings, to open before him the two leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. 
I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which called thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. And I'm not going to elaborate on this point just a moment here, to subdue nations. And I was just thinking how the North Korea has all of a sudden become somewhat conciliatory. The telephone lines have been reopened with South Korea. So that now there's communication because of some of the statements that Donald Trump has made, some of the movements he has made with military uh, paraphernalia. And so now there seems to be a, a willingness to talk. So God can cause a man to be used in such a way that nations will begin to have a change of heart and indirectly subdue them for God's purpose and God's plan. But the reason God gives revelation is for the express purpose of revealing something that has been previously hidden. When God begins to disclose things, and I believe we're, we're about to witness some unfathomable things in our nation, just as Jehovah gave King Cyrus, he said, I'm going to give you the treasures of darkness, I'm going to give you the hidden riches, I believe with certainty that the living God that we serve, Jesus Christ, is going to do some of these same things with Donald Trump. The treasures of darkness and the hidden riches have absolutely nothing to do with wealth or with money. And you may ask, well, if it's not to talk about wealth or money, what is the purpose of these treasures of darkness and these hidden riches? These treasures of darkness, these hidden riches, I believe, are types of information concerning the evildoers of this world. Paul told us in Ephesians 6 and 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. When the Lord began to just drive me to this particular passage of Scripture, I've read it I don't know how many times. But, you know, until God takes off the blinders, sometimes you still don't see what you're reading. And it just hit me. I looked at the number, chapter 45. Well, you take 4 and 5, that's 9. And then you look at verse 3. I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. 4 and 5 makes 9. Add 3 to that, you have 12. 12 speaks of divine government. Now, I, I, I am firmly convinced that this government is a divinely appointed government. It is a divinely appointed time. This is not just any time, as you've heard me talk about Kronos and Karios. This is not a, a Kronos time. This is a Karios time. When God has ordained some events that must come to pass, they must come to fruition, Kronos gets us to that place, the succession of time. When we get to that particular time that God has ordained, there is a manifestation of something. It's just like when Jesus Christ was born. There was a manifestation of his birth. The, the shepherds were in the field, the angels were singing in heaven, and, and this great light shone on Jesus Christ, this little child. There was a manifestation. Why? Because a particular time had been ordained for the birth of Jesus, and when it was made manifest, there was a revelation. The wise men, they came 
uh, because they received this revelation. And of course, God uh, kind of picks and chooses who he wants to reveal these secret things to. So we see here in the scriptures that uh, as Isaiah is prophesying these things, that God is going to use Cyrus. Uh, he said, I'm going to give you these treasures. And, and I believe what we're about to witness in America is a treasure trove of concealed secrets, hidden riches that men think they have concealed, that they believe they've buried deep within the alphabet agencies and the other organizations inside of our federal government. And God is going to pull back the covers, and we're probably going to be amazed. I know we're going to be amazed at the corruptness. Uh, our, our government, we all know, is is so it, it is so corrupt. It, it's sad, but it is a truth. Uh, God does not appreciate corrupt government. God ordained righteous government so that every person could be served in a just way, a just manner, just like the lady with the scale. She's got a blindfold over her eyes because true justice does not see color or money or anything of that. It's, it's blind. It's just it's just blind. And it just all it knows is the truth. All it knows is the facts. And that's where the honest assessment would come from that. Uh, Proverb 11, verse 1, a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So in, in God's workings in a true righteous government, no one ever has the ability to put their thumb on the scales. God does not tolerate that. God does not allow that. Justice, integrity, honesty, truthfulness, all of these things must be accurate. And, and this is what gets us into a place of judgment with God. Because even though we as the lay people of, of America, we don't have the ability to see all of this. You know, we, we, we go to work, we pay our bills, we raise our children, we send them off to school. We have our, our, our daily lives, and we don't see what God sees. God sees the lies, uh, the misappropriation of funds, the embezzlement, the, 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 the backdoor handshakes. Uh, he sees all of this. He, he, he's never away from this. You and I go to sleep at night, and we're when we're asleep, we don't know what's going on. But 24-7, God is witnessing all of these things that men think they have concealed. This is, this is why it's called deception. When people who live a lifestyle and a life of, uh, of lying and cheating and maligning, etc., they think they're getting by. They think God is not witnessing, or they, really they have no God consciousness or no God awareness. When a, when a man has a God awareness, and he starts to tell a lie, he gets a check in his heart. And, and he'll either adhere and yield to that check, or he will override that check and, and say and tell the lie for the sake of his pride or getting called or whatever the case might be. Every, every, every person, when they get brought to that place, they have a reason to tell a lie, whether it's humiliation, whether it is shame, disgrace, whatever the case might be. There's a reason for the lie. And so we've witnessed for, for, for well over a decade, maybe two decades, an enormous amount of dishonesty. Uh, we have such distrust as, as lay people. You talk to anybody on the street and say, do you trust your government? They're going to tell you no. 
they're going to flat out tell you, no, I don't trust my government. Why? Because as common people, we see the error. We see the dishonesty. We see uh, Uma, uh, what's your name? Uh, Amadine. Yeah, we, we, we see the, the discrepancies. We see the discrepancies with James Comey. We see the discrepancies with Hillary Clinton. We, we see it all the time. Because, you know, the, 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 the network, some of them that are trying to be somewhat honest, they'll show a video clip seven years ago. They'll show one that was said yesterday, and you put the two together, it, it's a bald-faced lie. You see? And they have the resource. That's what true journalism does. True journalism makes you be accurate. But we have most journalists... Well, they're not journalists. They're con artists. They're smoke and mirrors. They will never, ever, ever tell you the truth. There's a large faction of people in America to this day that still do not believe Obama is an American citizen. You know? And so this this, this continuation, but what people don't understand, God is still God. So when God gets ready to intervene, and, and we'll think it's hopeless... We'll believe there's no chance, there's absolutely no opportunity for the truth to come out. But you know, God can move his finger in a moment of time and say, I'm pulling back the darkness. I'm going to reveal these things, and I'm going to let you see what you know in your heart, what you sense in your spirit. You can't, I couldn't prove any of this stuff. I don't have the wherewithal or the means, but God knows these things are in our government. And so when God gets ready to do something, God will raise up the most unlikely person. And that's what Donald Trump was. Everybody mocked. Everybody laughed. Everyone scoffed. That guy cannot become president. You know, if I were the media today, I would humble myself and say, you know what? You better be careful because somebody put this man in office. And, and, and it wasn't the powers that be. Because we see the manipulation to try to keep the man from coming to office. But when God gets ready to do something, there's no man, there's no power, there's no entity out of hell that can stop God when God gets ready to move. And so I want to look at a few things we see here in Isaiah 45 and verse 3. He said, I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Now in the Hebrew, the word treasures there is a depository. It is a storehouse. It is a cellar. It is a place where someone has went and they've hid something, they've placed something of significance, of value, and they've put it there thinking, no one can get to this but me. I, I know what it is, I know what it says, but for the sake of not allowing this to get out, I'm going to deposit this somewhere in a storehouse or a cellar, and they consider that a treasure. We're not talking money here. We're talking information. We're talking about things that incriminate, that indict people, and show people uh, to us. They show us the guilt and, and how sinister and how wicked people are. And, and what, is, what is this treasure? What, what are some of these treasures? He said treasures of darkness. Think about that. Now, the word darkness here in the Hebrew speaks of misery. It speaks of wickedness. And it's of ungenerated men. It's a place where light has been withheld. In other words, they've taken these treasures of darkness, they place them, and they think that no light will ever be shined upon that, and the light will forever be withheld, and so nobody 
will ever know the truth. It's like the FBI agent said, we need an insurance policy. See, why? Why would a man make that statement? Because he never wants the opportunity for light, light to shine in on that subject or that matter, because the light always exposes what's in the darkness. You go to any dentist, physician, surgeon, whatever, the first thing they do, they bring a light over there on the matter, the subject. Why? Uh-oh. He was cut off. We heard the beeps. We'll bring him right back. And uh, he was on. He was on a roll. Um, it's uh, it's great to have Pastor Lang- Langford back with us to give us one of his sermons. And he's really picking up on a topic that we were talking about uh, a few weeks in a row before uh, we had that break, that holiday break with Pastor Langford. And one of the things that I guess when we talk about politics and, and decisions in politics, that Pastor Langford pointed out that we. I guess miss or, or forget sometimes is that control that God's that God has over men's hearts, both in the leadership roles and uh, the rest of the people in in the country and in the world. And God can uh, use the His will to uh, maneuver people where He wants them. Pastor Langford, I think we have you back. I don't know what happened there. I don't either, but I know why it happened. But <laughs> we're trying to shine light in darkness. Where were yeah. we? Where did I get cut off at? Well, yeah, I, I, you got cut off right where you were. Genesis one. Let's, let's start. We, there. we were paying attention seriously, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I understand. I, uh, I'm trying to think exactly where you got cut off. I'm not exactly 100 percent sure because there's a 30 second delay, which confuses the heck out of me. I'm already okay. Confused, that's no but... problem. So let's let's pick it back up. The darkness of these treasures. These darkness of these treasures are the misery and the wickedness of ungenerated men that they have concealed in a place and this place is where no light has been shown. In other words, the light has been withheld so that we could not see or recognize the truth. Uh, And so I went to Genesis 1. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So even before God began to get into the depths of creation, the earth was without form and void and darkness. This is, this is, this is, this is the adjectives. This is describing America. We're, we're, we're without form, we're void, and we're dark. And so God has a supernatural light that he shines in the darkness. Now, as I said, the FBI agent who said, we need an insurance policy, what is, what is he doing? He's trying to make sure the light remains withheld. He's, he's trying to be adamant that no light can get in and see the workings of the treasures of darkness. John said, or in John 1, verses 4 and 5, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. What does that mean? The light, once the light shines into the darkness, the darkness cannot stay there. The darkness has to flee. The darkness is removed. I walk into my office, and it's dark. I turn the light on. 
the darkness is expelled, it's gone, it's removed. I don't know where it went, but I know what caused it to leave, the light. And this is, this is what's about to happen. God is about to shine an enormous amount of light in areas of this nation wherein the light has been withheld for quite some time. Jesus said in John three nineteen, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Why do men do things under the, 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 the skies of darkness? It's because they don't want you to know the truth. Because if you know the truth, first of all, that sets you free. That liberates people like nothing in this world. Truth. The only thing that sets people free is truth. If I'm doing everything I'm doing based on a lie, everything I'm doing fundamentally is wrong. It, it doesn't matter what segment, element in life. If everything that you're doing in life is based on a lie, then everything you're doing is wrong. I don't care what it is. Uh, if you're building a building, <coughs> excuse me, if you're building a building and your foundation is just uh, three-eighths of an inch off, but you're building a building 100 stories tall, wait till you see how bad it is when you get to the top, if you continue in that manner. It, 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 you couldn't get to the top. It would, it would crumble. It would fall. Why? It is so out of square. It, it couldn't stand, the structure couldn't stand that offset of pressure. It's, it's impossible. So these men keep working in darkness, trying to conceal all of this, these evil things that only God knows. Because here's another thing, uh, Joe, Doug. You know, I'm, I'm not a criminal, so I don't think like a criminal. Uh, I, I don't go up, get up in the morning and go out thinking, how am I going to cheat somebody, rob somebody, lie to somebody, manipulate somebody, coerce someone. I, I don't get up in the morning thinking like that, but that's what criminals do. Uh, my uh, my accountant said to me, he, he, he when people come in to be audited, of course, he's there with them. But he said he told the IRS agents one day, he said, you people make honest people crooks. And I said, what do you mean? Amen. He said, I tell them, you people that are called IRS agents, you make honest people crooks. And he said, if you take your income tax return and give it to 10 different IRS agents, he said, how many different answers do you think you'll get? And I said, 10. He said, so what's the truth? You either have truth or you have a lie. Some would say, well, no, we've got part truth. If you've got anything that's not all truth, you've got a lie in there somewhere. This is, this is why it's called deception, see? And so I, I learned that real quick, uh, uh, having built two churches and, and, de and dealing with the, the building inspector that sits behind the desk and then dealing with the building inspector that's out here in the field. You get all these private interpretations. And so this is why we have the mass confusion. And we have the same things in our government. You see, there's supposed to be a standard, a rule and measurement in everything. You know, 16 ounces is a pound. You know, that's just the way it is. You know, uh, 16 ounces is a pint. You know, that's just the way it is. Three feet or a yard. That's just the way it is. But see, when we get into government, now all of a sudden those increments become skewed because of one individual's interpretation. And what they do, they become a law unto themselves. This is what Jesus meant in Matthew 24 and 11. 
24-12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That word iniquity there means lawlessness. You and I sat there and we listened to a a uh, an interview in a congressional hearing with an FBI director. And if you and I talked like they talked, they'd lock us up for contempt. You're always evasive. They won't give you a yes or a no. Bill Clinton helped me understand what Jesus meant when he said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. In other words, did you commit this crime, yes or no? Well, it depends on what the word is means. See how quickly it's convoluted? How quickly it's twisted? How quickly it's, it, 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 it's, it's twisted? Everything today has got a twist to it. You just, you just can't get the pure unadulterated truth. They're going to add something or they're going to take something away. Just like when the uh, the, uh, the news uh, person said to Hillary Clinton, did you wash the uh, wipe the server? She said, you mean with a cloth? You, the, see the arrogancy, the cynicism? It's like, you, how dare you ask me such a question like that? Because every man today, regretfully, that was the theme, that was the motif. In the book of Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So they'll put you in jail for making a statement that's not spot on, but they can make statements all day long, and they're free. I, 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 I know of a gentleman who told a half a lie. He told me, so I told a half a lie. It's a whole lie. But he, what he was trying to do was explain to me how, how little what he did and it cost him uh, two years probation and quarter of a million dollar fine and a hundred thousand dollar attorney fees because he he lied to an FBI agent and and so he he watches what's going on today and he's like man this is unbelievable what they did to me and and and, and he tried to conceal something this this man opened up told me he told me the whole story what he tried to conceal and he said I was really trying to help this guy who was a uh, uh, disabled. But because of what I did, I lied. This is what happened to me. And so this is what's going on in our nation. And sin and leaven in the Scriptures is always synonymous. They're the same thing, sin and leaven. And leaven is what makes dough rise, yeast. It makes it rise. Well, see, it's always working. You just can't sit with the natural lie. But if you bake up a big old ball of dough and then you put yeast in it, it's going to ferment the whole ball of dough. This is what's happening in our nation. Now, as Christians, when we see something is not right, we're told in Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And this is why you have people in our nation, and, and it's, I understand it. I understand the hatredness. I understand the, uh, the venom. Uh, the malice, the hatred this toward government when they say, wait a minute, you guys have a double standard. And, 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 and you, you know, you, you, no matter what you do, you're always wrong when it comes to government. You're, you're, you, it's a beast. You can't fight it. You can't win. Because they have untold resources of attorneys, uh, money, lawyers. I mean, they, they got it all. And so... We, we, we need to understand Romans 13, let every soul be subject to higher power, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. You've got to understand that context. 
that is only in the context when it's right. God would not say, you subject yourself to Adolf Hitler. Why? He was a murderer. What's just about his leadership? But you see, when leadership is right, we are to submit to it. When it's pure, when it's transparent, when it's the same across the board, if you're a, 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 a peon or you're a king, the, the, the adjudication is the same. It doesn't matter. And that's what God ordained. But these corrupt leaders and rulers, that's not what God ordained. That's what the devil has ordained. See? And, and, and this is why you, you see people that are angry and they're bitter and, 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 and they're hurting because they, they try to get ahead in life and they get pressed right back down. So my point is saying all this, God is moving right now in such a way it's going to amaze all of us. Now let, let me continue on in, in Isaiah 45 verse 3. He said, I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Now the word hidden again means basically the same thing. It's a secret storehouse. It is a secreted place of buried values. Again, these values, these treasures have nothing to do with money or monetary. It's, it's for the purpose of blackmailing. It's for the purpose of twisting the truth or skewing the balance or the scales so that people say, wait a minute, I read the scales and it said this, but you don't know that the man had his thumb on it. So you, you were duped, you were deceived. How much wickedness has been concealed and buried in all of these alphabet agencies? And it works all the way down to the, to, to the local uh, uh, county office or city. It really does. I, I've, I've seen too much and spoken to too many people through the years. There's a measure of it in everything. And, and why is it there? It's there because of sin. What makes me tell an officer the truth and my neighbor says, I'm going to tell a lie because I'm not going to get in trouble? Because my conscience says I can't tell the lie. Did you have your seatbelt on, sir? Well, no. You ask your neighbor, did you have your seatbelt on? Yeah, I had mine on. Well, the officer can't prove it. He just asks you a simple question. But an honest man will say, no, sir, I, did, I didn't have my seatbelt on. Well, we're going to write you a ticket then. And you can see why the other guy says, oh, yeah, I had mine on, because you're not going to give me a ticket. Because we all know about certain things in, in our community or in our state or wherever that things have taken place that we know they were not forthright, to say the least. He said, I'm going to give you the treasures of darkness, the hidden riches of secret places, riches, the covering up of something important, something of great significance, to hide something with purpose, to hide something with intent. Joe, do, do you think they've been trying to hide something with purpose? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and why are they doing that? So that Joe and Doug Hagman and David Lankford are never afforded to know the truth. Mm -hmm. They don't want you and I to ever be the afforded the opportunity that we can know the truth and make an honest assessment. And so God raises up a man, Donald Trump, blunt, crass, brass. I mean, just, he don't care. This is why people like him. Because he has the attitude... I don't care what you think about me personally, just like with uh, uh, Kim Young. You know, I got the nuclear button on my desk. Yeah, and I got a bigger nuclear button. 
oh, that's not diplomatic. But look what it's done. Now the guy says, I want to talk to the South Koreans. You see, this is, this is why people loathe politicians. You know, they wet their finger, they stick it in the wind to see which way the, the wind is blowing. Politically correct. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you can't say that. You can't do that. Listen, this is why we're in the mess we're in. You know, there's been times I've had to tell people that I pastored the truth. I had a guy came in my office one day, but pastor, he said, I want you to pray, God, give me a, a good wife. She'll be a mother to my children. And he went through a litany of what he was looking for in a woman. And I looked him dead in the face. I said, why would God want to punish some godly woman to live with your sorry hide? Well, needless to say, he got mad and blew out the office. He stayed out of church for a month. And he finally came back. He came back and repented. He stood up before the church. He said, I got mad because the pastor told me the truth. Because, see, the guy wouldn't work. Said, well, I passed him. He probably had a dozen jobs. Had every reason in the world why he always lost a job. His kids laid out of school half the time. And I said, why would God want to take some godly, beautiful woman, yoke her up with you when all you're going to do is destroy her life? I said, God, don't you think God loves her? Just like you believe God loves you, sir. I said, God loves that godly woman, whoever she is and wherever she is. And you think God's going to yoke her up with you that you can destroy her? I said, it's not going to happen. So you're wasting your time praying. Do you know what? To this day, that's been 25 years ago, the guy's still not married. You know why? He never would change who he was. See, that's his own fault. That's not my fault. That's not God's fault. That's his fault because he doesn't have the willingness to change. Now, this last one here is hidden riches of secret places. The phrase secret places in the Hebrew means a secret place where someone has concealed a covert operation, something that has been hidden by covering it up. These secret places... And these revelations were given to King Cyrus to prove the lordship of Jehovah. I believe Jehovah will do the same thing through Donald Trump to prove to this nation, I take the foolish things because I'm God and I use foolish things to confound the wise. You know, uh, we don't understand how powerful God really is. I mean, we really don't. When we go... Uh, back to 1 Corinthians 1 and 25, it says this, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why does he do all of this? He says in verse 29, 1 Corinthians 1, 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God is a master at taking foolish things of the world to confine to confound the wisest of men the greatest wisdom of men god says i'm going to take something so foolish 
something that you deem worthless, a piece of trash, no good for nothing, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to use that to bring you down. Why? So God gets the glory. A man doesn't get it. Now think about what that passage says. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. And, 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 and God's great, and God's not foolish by no means. You have to understand what Paul is saying here. If God could be foolish, if God could be foolish, if he was exuding the, the greatest of foolishness, Paul says, that is wiser than men. And if, and if God could be weak, you could take the weakest part of God and destroy the most mighty and powerful men in the earth. And then he says, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Does Donald Trump fit that bill? If you look at it in the natural, he's not somebody that you would have thought could have ever become the president. Every odd was against him. Everything was against him. And God does this for a reason. He said, God has chosen foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised. I haven't seen anyone in my lifetime despised as a president like Donald Trump. Ronald Reagan got a few smart, crass remarks made about him. But I've never seen a president that has been despised like Donald Trump has, and yet Paul said, this is who God has chosen. You hate this man. You loathe this man. See, the, the secret about Donald Trump is very simple to me. He's never been initiated in anything. He, you know, someone said he was the, uh, the Illuminati's put him in. He just doesn't know it. I mean, that, that's, that's like me saying I'm president, and I, didn't, and I don't know I'm president. That, that, that's, that's foolishness. But that's why God does this stuff. Because God takes foolish things to confound the wise, and, and, he, and, he, and he says he takes things that are not. In other words, this should not have happened. And the very thing that should not have happened, God says, I'm going to take that that is not, and I want to bring the things that are to nothing. You, you, you've despised my choice. You see, this is why it is a foolish thing to try to manipulate God. It is a foolish thing to try to think you can do things without God. There, there's nothing that he does not know. There's nothing hidden that he cannot reveal. I mean, uh, there could be uh, packages, Doug. You talk about WikiLeaks tomorrow. There could be packages sitting on desks tonight that will be opened in the morning and say, my God, look at this stuff. Look, look at this information. Well, you see, that's what I believe God is about to do, is to expose all of these vast cover-ups. And I believe many of these cover-ups will be daisy-chained or linked together, thus connecting as well as revealing many secret, hidden treasures. Men think they have this stuff hidden. And, of course, these, these revealed secrets will suddenly bring disgrace and paramount shame, not only to the media, but I believe you're going to see some shame and disgrace that are going to be brought on this nation. I'm going way out here now. I believe you'll see some take their lives or make it manifest as though they took their lives to continue the covert operation. 
I just wrote a new newsletter yesterday that will be going out for February. And I talk about one of David's advisors that was one of David's counselors, one of David's advisors, the psalmist David. He advised Absalom to discover all of David's wives on the top of David's house. And I didn't know this till this past week as I was studying. Bathsheba's husband was Ahithophel's son, Elam. And this is why Ahithophel put it in Absalom's mind to get even with David because his son was murdered, Uriah. That was Ahithophel's son. Excuse me, his son was Elam. But he, he wanted to get vengeance on David, so he gave Absalom bad counsel or bad advice. And when he saw and he realized, I believe it's Second Samuel chapter 16, you can read it there, when he saw what he had done, got him nowhere, he went home, got his house in order, the Bible says, and he hanged himself. Now, I'm not the sharpest tool in the drawer, and I'll be the first to admit it. But when I begin to read and begin to study here in the last few days, David, murder, David, adultery, Absalom, an adulterer himself, sleeping with all of his father's wives, and then the counselor to give him bad advice, and then the counselor goes and hangs himself, and then Absalom gets caught in the thicket of an oak tree, and Joab goes and kills him. I thought, my God. See, when, when, when these conspiracies, or purported conspiracies, start, it's as though there's no end to it. It's as though it, it just goes on and on and on. Because, see, all the time, Satan stands off to the side. He laughs, he mocks, and he ridicules as people stand in their shame or their disgrace. And Satan laughs and says, look what I've done to you. Now, every, every pawn of Satan is just part of doing business. That's just, you know, he, he got into Judah's heart. And Judas betrayed Jesus, and he went and hanged himself. It's just part of doing business. See, and, 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 and see, this that's another covert operation. See, it's all through the scriptures. It, it's just all in there. And as I said, until God lets you begin to see things in a spiritual light, it does. It doesn't seem to be as significant. It, it just doesn't seem to to to, to be as, as as tantamount as it is. But when you get when you begin to see these things, and you 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 begin to put the scriptures together, you're like. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. But see, this is why I've always said Satan is always plotting. God doesn't plot. God has a plan from A to Z. He said, I'm Alpha and I am Omega and everything in between. So Satan plots, and that's why he miscalculates, because he doesn't have the next step in place like he needs for it to be. And that's why in the end he will be destroyed, of course. But see, God can turn a situation in such a quick way that something you know good will come out of all this evil. It's just like with Joseph. He said to his brothers, he said, all of y'all meant this for evil. Your intention was nothing but pure, unadulterated evil. He said, but God, he meant it for good. Now, the rulers of the darkness of this world have used the media to be purveyors of their lies and to further their cover-up concerning this darkness. And they're going, I believe, in the end, there will be some media outlets that will no longer exist. Because, as I said, when the devil gets through with you, he stands off to the side, and he's laughing. 
He's ridiculing you. He's mocking you. He's scoffing you and saying, what a fool I made out of you. I put it in your heart to seduce this. I put it in your heart to lie. I tempted you to to, to change the verbiage. I tempted you to change the words and the letter, the statement. And then he sets off, and he, he stands off to the side, and he laughs, and he mocks, and he ridicules. He says, look at you. You were nothing but a fool in my hands. So I believe when all of these things begin to come out, and a lot of these things are being exposed, they're going to be those who are not going to, they're not going to be able to handle the shame and the disgrace. It will, it will be so strong, it will be so powerful, they just can't handle it. And I believe there will be those. And of course, it'll be a cover-up. They'll, 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 they'll take them out, or they'll feign it was a suicide. This is, this is what's getting ready to happen, because see, the more tenuous this thing becomes, people become reactionary. And you're not to be a reactionist, you're to respond. A response is something that is thought out. But when you become reactionary, that's a scientific term. For every action, there's a reaction. You take a three-pound uh, ball hammer, and, and you hit an anvil, that hammer's going to bounce back. That's, that's, the, that's the natural reaction to that hammer hitting the anvil. It's going to bounce back. This is what's going to start happening, kind of like popcorn. You know, you, you got the popcorn in the pot. You've done turned the heat off. It's too late. It's still going to pop because it's been brought to a certain level. You can't stop it. You can take it off the burner. I know I'm talking to old people because we still pop popcorn, don't we, Joe, Joe and Doug? That's right, man. That's right. <laughs> but you can take the the pot off the stove. But once it reaches that heat, that 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 the heat that that temperature, you take it off. But it's still going to pop. Why? It's reached that temperature of popping, and this is what we're going to see: a pop here, a pop there, and a lot of these things are, are going to happen simultaneously, and they're going to be daisy chained together. Now, there, there's no doubt about it. There will be those who will continue to perpetuate the lies. I thought about this guy who wrote the book, Fire and Fury. What was his last name? Wolf. Wolf. Does, does Jesus talk about that? Sure he does. Sheeps and wolves clothing. See, now it's coming out, it was all lies. It was all lies, because they don't want, they're not going to tell you the truth, folks. You can't trust hardly anything and 90% of what you see. You can't, you can't trust it. You can't, you can't put any confidence in it. And, and you see, this is the power of deception. See, deception, why is deception so great? Because all deception is based fundamentally on a lie. If I lied to you, my purpose in lying to you was to, to deceive you and make you believe something other than the truth. That's my purpose. Oh, that was my grandma's car. She drove that thing only to church on Sundays, never drove it over 35 miles an hour. You get it off of my, my property and it falls apart. It's a lie. But, but you bought the car because I lied profusely to coerce you to believe this is the greatest car in the world, and my lying deceived you and coerced you into believing that. You said, but I want that car. His grandma only drove it on Sundays, etc. That's all lies. And then this is what's taking place. And this is what brought the, 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 the demise of mankind in, in Genesis 3, 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. See, he told a lie. So he brought her to a place of decision. And then she had to make the decision, who's lying to me, God 
or the devil? Well, guess who Eve made the liar? She made God the liar and said, the devil must be telling me the truth. Romans 1.22, Paul said, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You see, these people think they're wise. But at the end of the day, they're not wise. Because at the end of the day and at the end of their life, they're going to stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And they're going to give an account for all of this. All of this. Romans 1.25, Paul said, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. Now, here's, here's what they do. They change the truth into a lie. And they change that truth into a lie to get you and I to believe that lie so they can deceive us and manipulate us. Every time something breaks on the news about Donald Trump, it's, it's like, uh-oh, have they really found something? Is there really something wrong here? Why? Because Satan is working overtime to overthrow God's plan. Now, I've been thinking the last several weeks, why has God given us a reprieve? Why has God given us an element of mercy? And I believe I've, I believe I've come to understand why. Because after this, God will be so just when he judges us harshly. Because he said, I did everything I could do to help you, and you still spurned my hand. You rejected my truth. I did everything. I even blessed you financially. I negated wars. I stopped things from happening. But you, you didn't take it to heart. You just kept on. You just kept on going down that way of destruction. And you know, I'm concerned about our young people. I I, I believe the devil is trying to lie to them on a scale untold. I, I believe you're going to witness the powers that be. Uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world, they're going to create havoc on a scale untold. Why? They're adamant to keep these secret treasures buried and these hidden riches from the public's eye. They don't want us to know. They don't want us to know just how wicked they have been. Because you guys know better than I do the, the, the wickedness, uh, the intricacies of what's taken place is, is, is beyond anyone's imagination. Because as I said before, they keep pressing through these spiritual membranes. And because they don't get caught, they don't get snared, they say, well, we'll just, we'll just go a little further. And, and they keep on, and they keep on, and they keep on, and, and it, it will be mind-boggling to witness just how far they have, uh, they have pushed the envelope relative to uh, hidden riches and secret treasures. I want to share one verse from Ecclesiastes 8 and 11. Here's what Solomon said. Now listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Just because the hammer didn't drop on the first sin, when God... I'm not the judge, so I, I you know, that, that's kind of a, my own verbiage there. Why didn't God hammer them then? Because God is gracious. God is merciful. But Solomon had enough wisdom to say, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. And let me give you a fine example before we leave. All this stuff came out about Hillary Clinton, Benghazi, the server, all of this stuff. 
It was not dealt with. And so what did it do? It caused a greater, a greater act of evil. Why? Because sentence against the evil work was not executed speedily. Even our forefathers said we have a right to a speedy trial. They understood that. Let's get this thing processed because it's corruption only creates more corruption, more rot, more carnage, more decay, more death. It just just gets worse. And so they're trying to cover these things up, but I believe God is going to expose some things that's going to raise the hair on everyone's neck. I really do believe we're going to see some, some, some bad stuff. And it'll be good and it'll be bad. Uh, it'll just be a revelation to the church, to the body of Christ, that we are, we are, we're under a, 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 a spirit of delusion. And I believe God wants to reveal much truth here in the time of the end. I really do. You know, there's um, lots of people that believe we are on the, the verge of some kind of um, justice that, that's going to be brought and, and some changes where we were going to see some of this evil weeded out and exposed. And we can only continue to, to hope that is the truth and, and continue to pray for that and do what we can to continue to expose the lies and corruption. That's all we can and, do, right? And, Pastor, we were talking about this, um, you know, throughout the last few weeks uh, when different topics come up. But, you know, this uh, the liberal insanity or this Trump derangement syndrome, this evil that we see in the media and Hollywood and the political world, it seems like it's a collective spirit of evil that is infecting these people. And when it is triggered in them, it, they cannot hide it. And I think this spirit... Um, is widespread throughout our country, and we see it uh, against Trump because I guess Trump brings it out of these people for whatever reason. But I've never said, but, but you said, but it it's best a collective too. spirit, right? Exactly, and I think you hit it right on the head, Pastor. I've never seen such vitriol, such no hatred. It, it is pure, but you know why? Because it's against the truth. Right. You didn't see this against Obama. He was part of the lie. He was part of the deception. He's part of the manipulation. So they didn't. They didn't ever attack him. It was only. It was only people who, like you guys, who wanted to tell the people the truth. See, and 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 God help us. But it's it's in the church. The church won't tell the people the truth. They want that same spirit. Listen, the way is straight. The way is narrow. Few there be that find it. And and I am concerned, as I said about our young people. We're raising a generation who know nothing about God. They see all this lying. You know, they talk about the dopamines and the brains with these cell phones and all of this. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a spirit. And it's like either people are just dead, dead left, or they're dead right. I, I said, it was like three years ago, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, everyone is either going to become a goat or a sheep. You're, this middle ground is over with. And they're going further to the left or further to the right. But God's going to do that in Matthew 25. He puts the goat on his left hand and the sheep on his right hand. He, he gave me the word to confirm what he was putting in my spirit. He's going to separate. There'll be no middle ground, folks, none. You don't see that in Matthew 25. You're either on the left hand or you're on the right hand. You're not in the middle. And so as you walk with God, you're going to be driven further to one side. And if you don't walk with God, you're going to be driven and given wholly over to the other side. And you'll let those people lie to you. And you'll believe that lie. Just like our borders. Who wouldn't want borders in a nation and, and get this stuff under control? What kind of person without common sense would say, I don't want that? There's something wrong. And it's, it's more than just politics. It's spiritual. 
at the end of the day, all of this is good and evil. That's right, Pastor Langford. Thank wow. you so much for, for spending the evening with us. It's great to have you back. We Fantastic. really do. Uh, are, we really are happy that you came back, Pastor Langford, because we did miss you. Well, and you thank guys you so much. I'm being with you guys as well. Well, well, thank you, and we're looking forward to next week. And uh, Okay, uh, brother. Y'all have a great night and a great week. All right. Thank you, you too, so much. Bless. Bye-bye. That'll do it for us tonight. Have a great night.